0: Everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Tetracast. This is RPG Site's weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. My name is Brian Vitale. Joining me today, I've got Josh Torres.
1: This is the last podcast of January already.
0: Yeah. Uh, we, we have Adam Vitale. Hello. And Chow Min Woo. How's it going? So uh, it is, like Josh has said, is the last recording that we're going to be doing in January, and we have been spending a few weeks talking about the probably the biggest release of the month for our site, which is Fire Emblem. So we're going to take a a break from that this week, even though I know several of us are still working our way through that game. Uh, In this last week, the game that came out just a few days ago that some of us have been working through is Forspoken. So that's going to be the focus of this podcast, and I know Forspoken has kind of had an Up and down marketing cycle. It's had some impressions that have been more lukewarm. uh, Some people have been more surprised by it as it's released. Some people have had their preconceptions confirmed. Uh, So we've had at least, I know I've had a chance to at least start it. I've put maybe five or six hours into it. I know that uh Josh has put a couple hours into it. We did not we don't have a review up on the site. I don't even know who's reviewing it. We didn't get pre-release access. So uh, yeah, we did we didn't get review code,
1: uh, like pre-release review code or anything. Um I guess I'm technically reviewing it, but I'm like going like you know, taking my time with it. I mean people people have already made up their mind on this game, I guess. Uh like with, with the reviews out there and then you know whether people have played the game or not. It's just people I feel like people have pretty much solidified. Their opinion on this game like for the most part uh for for me and it's like i don't know what to think of it yet but uh I, I think for most people it's like they they're either on the side of like they're gonna play it or they're not gonna play it at this point yeah. it's
2: just weird to I, say I'm, I'm in the i'm on the latter side because when i look at this game it doesn't look mm-hmm. all that appealing to me and then it's very expensive in
1: it, Canada, yeah i think that that's, that's that's th- that's definitely a conversation that's like become more and more apparent than like next gen, not that not, not next gen not current gen only releases right with uh especially structure of like 70 bucks that, and but not people are really putting these games under a very critical eye of like are these games really worth 70 bucks are they really worth getting like you know are they really worth my money because that's that's a big thing to consider you th- people think it's like oh it's just a 10 dollar price price tag. it's like that's pretty pretty significant you know uh modern day it's like people are very when when they think of like how much they're willing to spend on like a game on 60 versus 70 When it comes to 70 people are like okay this game really has to like prove its worth then at that price point
0: Unfortunately, I don't know exactly why it is, but something about Forspoken. Like, I'm still playing it, and I'm kind of, and we'll we'll talk about like specific impressions. We're basically playing it as fans at this point because we played it as its release. We didn't have pre release access. Just, I kind of just grabbed it. Like, I think Green Man Gaming had like a twenty percent off like pre release voucher. It's like, wow, I can get this game for fifty five bucks. What a deal! Uh, I mean, I was very
1: honest about it, like on this podcast, and also to Adam, it's like. Adam, I'm I'm not fucking playing this game. I'm not. I'm not spending seventy dollars this game to to, to play it. I'm just straight up like, if if I'm reviewing it, then that's like probably the only way I'm gonna play this game. uh, TVH and I'll I'll be very, you know, very fair to it, obviously. But it's just like, but but like, but like, when it comes to like burning seventy dollars, like seventy dollars, like for me, it's just like I don't know if I'm willing to do that. If it's like on a deep, deep discount, months down the road, then maybe I'll play it. But if like, if I'm not I'm not playing it right now
0: unless I'm, like, getting code for it, pretty much. I'm not sure what it is about this game. Like, even me, who, like, right before we started recording this podcast, I was working my way through it just to try to get as far as I could so I could talk about it, you know, from some position of relevancy. But there's something about this game that is just, like, like an interest black hole. Like, oh, it's you're talking about Forspoken. I'm going to click off this podcast. And if you haven't, thank you so much. Uh, but... <laughs> So uh, none of us here have gotten past like the five, six hour mark. So we are speaking from a place of ignorance in terms. I know like Final Boss has been on YouTube for like a week and a half because of leaks or whatever. Um, Obviously, some uh, other outlets like our friends over at RPG Fan did get early access. We didn't. It seems like Square Enix was very stingy with code for whatever reason. It's the first time that I've played a game of this style. And by that, I mean open world, triple A usual trappings and trimmings game like i think the last time i've played that was cyberpunk so like for me it's almost nostalgic like ah i remember this but if you've been playing like Assassin's creed valhalla or those other ones maybe maybe this might feel a little bit more old hat to you but for me i'm like i'm actually kind of like ah, oh, you know i've been, it's been a two and a half year break since i've done something like this so maybe maybe this is actually not going to feel too bland or too boring for me uh but i'm only like six hours in so is it going to maintain its interest um for the long run and i've heard like conflicting stories about how long this game is where apparently you can beat the main story in like 25 hours or 20 hours it's not too long but based on my time starting about the first like of the four major zones it's pretty pretty packed so there's there, you could probably if you are really endeared to it suck yourself in pretty thoroughly if you wanted to i don't know to what extent i'll be experiencing it um so i'm trying to think of where right, we I, should I, I guess i guess like you know the first,
1: the best place to start is like since you're the farthest out of us, or if <laughs> Chad ever ever gonna touch this game, uh, you know, just like what are your first impressions? I guess like your initial impressions of like what everything you've played so far.
0: Okay, my initial impression is uh, this is a this is a little bit nuanced, but not really. So there there has been a. Like some a, a few cutscenes that have been rolling around that a lot of people have been like taking the piss on or whatever that is kind of the tone of the game where it is I hate this word but cringy, but I do think that those examples that have been going out around Twitter or social media or whatever have been kind of the worst of it. The rest of it is usually like pretty it's she's the main character Frey Holland is a New Yorker in its Sakai uh so a lot of that same sort of stuff those same sort of like flavor applies um but they're well, there
1: love like how I love how isekai is like so such a feels like a mainstream term when people talk about this game it's like it's like almost implied. It's like, of course, everyone knows what an isekai is when they hear that.
2: Uh, I have a question. You know the witch? Uh, was it the Chronicles of Narnia? The mm-hmm. witch of the wardrobe? It, oh, okay. Uh-huh. That's technically one of the earliest isekais. Okay, it's
1: are. not a. It's okay, it's not the <laughs> earliest isekai. It's definitely. Know, one it's definitely. One. It's definitely like another another world story.
2: But, but during, during like, that time, do they actually call it another world story or isekai back in? They don't that. call
1: it. They, the <laughs> term was portal fantasy.
0: Yes, okay. there we
1: go. Oh man, I think the reason why
0: isekai caught on, I think, it's just because it's a very unique term that has a lot of utility in describing a specific thing that's become relatively commonplace.
1: Yes, especially so... like in, like, in, like when it comes to like a- anime, like storytelling, you know, like remember like in the like mid twenty tens, like early to mid twenty tens, like the 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 trended anime at that point was like the battle high school like anime, like you just saw it a dime a dozen, you saw it like from like Mahoka to Rakadai you know Cavalry to Asterisk to all sorts of dozens and dozens of shows that that was just the trend in anime back then and now like you know the trend in anime that people you know are like exposed to for better or worse is like this another world story because this really this genre really caught on just like in the last five to seven I think
0: years specifically the fact that the word is just so useful is the really the main reason why yeah. I caught on because there is no easy English equivalent like are we going to call these portal fantasies and that's kind of confusing like what is a portal fantasy where isekai I think just is a simple word means a very specific thing that is very applicable to basically this exact sort of framing so I think that's the main reason why I caught on obviously having roots in anime and light novels yeah. but um it's just a very convenient term. I think "convenient" is the best word to use. Yeah, and so,
1: everything that and everything that like that pertains to it. Like for people who don't like who are like, what the fuck are they talking about? It's like Isekai kind of just basically means another world. Like it's like another world story. Like a person gets transported to another world. That's basically it.
0: So when you start out for spoken, um, I have mentioned on this podcast several times that I like it when games, especially games that have like a larger scope in terms of like traversal or map size which this game does have just to like shut up and let you play just like alright just give me the systems and let me have fun let me figure out what I want to do unfortunately Forspoken for the first like two and a half chapters doesn't really do that it's a very slow burn to start out it's a, and it's
1: a, it's a really frustrating thing because like when you think about it like it doesn't really like take a, like you don't actually start like quote unquote like playing the game for real to like an hour and a half in and it's like it has so much setup that I feel like if it just got to that point, like, 20 minutes in, it wouldn't get half of the shit that it's getting, to be honest.
0: And apparently, or I learned just when I was playing through, I put in about three more hours this morning, and the thing is, is once you get to Athia, and once you start learning your parkour and getting the magic, and, like, the story has kind of opened up, the game still quite hasn't doled out everything to you yet. Um, you, you still have to do, like, another chapter's worth of story before the game says, like, okay, here's how you upgrade abilities. Okay, here's how you... Uh, um, Interact with the locked labyrinths. Okay, here's some like here's some different things you'll find on the map. Okay, now now you're actually free to roam. It still seems like the game hasn't quite doled out everything. The game doesn't even like introduce detours, which is its version of side quests, until you do maybe about an hour of story in Athia. And then even then, the very first couple side quests are like chase a cat or have a tour of the city. And maybe that's like, I shouldn't be too judgmental on the the, the first introductory side quests. But like once I'm finally like been told to uh, go confront the first Tantas, which is about for me, that was about three and a half hours in. That's when it first felt like, okay, finally, the game is shutting up and letting me play. And that's what I put about 90 minutes past that point this morning. And that's when I finally said, okay, if the game had gotten to this point. Two hours ago, I think I would have been a lot more luke, well, a lot more warm on just the opening hours of this game. It's not bad; it's just kind of slow. And if you're not feeling the story or the characters, it's it's a hurdle to get through. I think it's hard
1: for characters, even if you like try to get like take it into its most charitable light, because like the the game, like I, I didn't think the game would do this. Like when it was first revealed, right? I thought it was going to be a very like they would get to like the isekai part of it. Get like they're transporting to another world. Because basically, Frey is from New York City. Stuff happens to her, and she gets transported to the world of Athia. And what I didn't think they would do early on is like they would establish so much of her real world counter for like what are her circumstances in the real world. To some extent, I wonder if there's like any payoff for this at the in the long run, right? Like if the story develops and actually like because like it's so it feels so overburdening and like it feels like you're drowning in it like from the get go, and it's like it's hard to like when you're when you're plunged so far, like deep so far to like the proverbial like ocean already it's it, you have to like give yourself time to surface and breathe a little and this game does not do that because it hits you And like here's fray she's uh you, when you first uh, see her she's in she's in court because she did larceny again and then she's they try to uh um establish that like she's a problem child uh right away that she she has no parents she's an orphan she gets into like into into she gets into like trouble often um and like you know the judge tries to like gives her some slack but like there's a you, they're, they're very upfront that there's a very like you know occasional normal thing for her to just like get in trouble getting uh getting into trouble with uh, with the court uh and so forth and after that after she gets released from court she, she gets into a trouble with a gang and then after she, she she escapes from that, she goes to her, her home and she's barely keeping things together, you know, tends to a cat, you know you'd finally get maybe a moment's rest and right when she you know wakes up the uh, wakes up sure her place is on fire because the the gang found her, and then it's just like it just never lets up like yes, we get it. her life is fucking shitty, you know, and I feel like there there could have been a, probably a better way to present all of this in a way that like makes you kind of. Feel for Frey, but from the get go, it's hard to like like her, uh, like even be the uh, like you know. Despite all this, like you know, you expect like to be more empathetic to Frey, and to some extent, you are. But to her outlook on it is like kind of. It, it's hard to get invested right away with, the, with this character, I'm still not really invested with this character because the, the, the way that they dole out like this characterization of her, it 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 feels so there's there's something that's not really connecting for me that like it should it should, but it isn't, and I don't know exactly the best way to like put that into words if you know what I mean.
0: I will say though that I did appreciate i'm I'm a pet person and I mm-hmm. did appreciate the interactions with Homer the cat yeah. uh okay. even even yeah, though awesome. it, it it felt a little bit, so when it the game has kind of illustrated that phrase life is. Is down and she's not doing well financially. She's not doing well, you know, productivity-wise. Um, she ends up having to give up the cat, but which is like a sad story beat, but the way it does it is just a bit awkward. So one of the very first characters you meet, other than Frey, is the judge that is like seeing her trial in court and like, okay, this is the judge. And it, it suggests that she and the judge have met a few times. But like, okay, I get that. But then it's like, when she gives up the cat, she gives up the cat to the judge. And I'm like, what, really? Is that okay? It just felt like a bit like, oh, we haven't introduced any other characters that this cat could possibly go to. So of course she's going to give it to the judge. It hasn't really established that these two are like family friends feel, or anything like, like this, that. The, I feel
1: like this would be more effective if they like told out those story beats, like as if she was like, like in a more concise version, as she's like already been transported to Athia. If you establish... There's a way to like make these story beats more emotional and like I connect with a player more if you just dole them out like in 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 ways that like you're already playing the game that like you're you're learning through you're learning about uh, friends like you're already playing like you're not really playing the game at this point you're just kind of like going from story cutscene to story cutscene and it's like and, and, and like it does it, it feels like it, it feels like a slog to get through it at, at some point because you're not really you you know that the game isn't this, you mm-hmm. know? And it, and it's just one of those things that it's like, if you, they just got, got to like being transported to like the world of Athia, like within the first three minutes, you know? And then like, and then you learn more about Frey like within like the next like maybe 10 minutes, uh, like, you know, after that. Yeah, like, you know, maybe to like flashbacks or like, you know, just as Frey's like trying to think about her circumstances as she was getting like, you know, transported right away uh and so forth it it if i think seeing um i i guess the i i think that would be more of like a, a stronger way to like kind of resonate through that by like presenting players uh that through a more like you know flat flashback context rather than like okay yes this is her current circumstances because for me i don't know if this is going to have any payoff like if this is going to have uh payoff 10 hours in 15 hours in 20 hours in well like any of this like matter you know
0: yeah and the fact that she never mentions like homer once upon being transported or she mentions new york a few times to the cuff but that's kind of it and it just seems like oh none of that stuff yeah it's hard to imagine like is this going to pay off or was that just set dressing um and i'm yeah. trying to be like optimistic be like okay eventually it's going to uh loop back how these two worlds like obviously there's there's the lingering questions about why was she transported I'm guessing it has to do something with her being an orphan in the first place but who knows I don't know yet um and maybe at that point it'll start tying together and we're just kind of at that point where you're supposed to be questioning and wondering so I'm trying not to be too judgmental at the moment but at the same time I'm not hopeful because it hasn't like breadcrumbed it in a way that makes me think like oh okay they're setting something up here there's also like the the the, the uh, not
1: the problem, but the like the the kind of like a frustrating like narrative decision. Also like when like you know Frey goes you know gets transported to Athia, like she just kind of like it's hard to take the setting seriously because the protagonist doesn't take it seriously. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. when it comes to like getting transported, it's just like oh, is that a motherfucking dragon? Is that a, like who's talking to me? Like it like people compare like you know the clips that are shared through social media really compared to like you know the marvel cinematic universe writing or the joss whedon type of uh writing of like of a of protagonist um to kind of mocks their 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 setting that the mm-hmm. the uh the instances and in the in the world that they've been placed in it's like it's hard to get for me personally it's hard to get invested into the world if like even like the even the character or like the main character that i'm controlling or even like the main character of a film doesn't like take their um current situations, circumstances um to like seriously to it's like to some agreeable amount it's not like always mocking the the scenery that they're in it's like it's like to some extent yes you're still like bewildered by like what's going on uh, around you but at the same time you kind of at some point, it it is it is believable and totally reasonable to just like have it soak in and be like, okay, yes, this is your new reality, and that, and this this game like has like it tries to contend, it it wants to like do that, but it, it like gets itself in the way of its writing because it, it like it it definitely wants to make Frey almost like a Marvel like film uh, protagonist in a way, like when people think about like it's not it's not just like. Oh, uh, like oh they're behind me and then like wiki at the camera type of deals but like um i, I was reading um a-, a feature about about this austin walker at clockwork world's uh, newsletter and he and he makes a, like a really great point about like it's not it's not like when you think about like that type of writing it's like it's beyond that it's, it's not just that right it's like when um think about like the new spider uh the spider-man film like i think it was either the first or second one from the MCU, I forgot which one, where they like mock the name of like uh, Doctor Otto Octavia. No, oh, Dr. that one. Otto yeah, that's right. Yeah, like, you know, from from for Doctor Octopus. Like they they mock his name for like how 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 zany it sounds or how like you know just like it's an uncommon name. It's it's like it's like kind of the, it kind of, it kind of that that's when when, th- when I think of like Joss Whedon type of like writing, I think about like kind of mocking like the the world that it's like that it's already set in and it's like i can't it's hard for me to like get invested if you're really if if you're trying to take me down that road it's like if you're not willing to take your like your world seriously to some extent then why should i
0: Yeah, Yeah. I kind of agree with that, because I don't want to sit here, because I know we were, uh, someone commented on our podcast a few weeks ago that we were a little bit too down. I forget on which game it was. I'm like, all right, I want to be positive on Forspoken. But when you're talking about this superhero Marvel-esque, the thing that came up in my brain was, there's at one point, uh, let me set up the stage of Athia a little bit for those that haven't been following the marketing. So there's basically, at least as far as I can tell, within the first like six, seven hours, there's only one real main city area left called Sepal. And it's got like slums and an upper city. And everything outside of the city has been affected by something that Frey calls the break. It's like this zombification, petrification phenomenon that is affecting creatures. It's affecting humans. And for, for reasons that haven't been explained to the player yet at the point I'm at, Frey is immune to it, which is why she goes out into the world to um, to kind of investigate what's going on. As you do this... You are introduced to these four major characters, these like war sorceresses called the Tantas, which have at one point in atheist history were revered as like saviors and protectors, but somehow themselves got kind of power hungry and corrupted. One of them attacks Sepal and then basically... Uh, Frey wants to take revenge and that's kind of where I'm at where I'm going after the first Tanta and it seems like it escalated very quickly where it's like I'm going to kill this bitch uh, because she attacked the city that is only the first place that happened to land so you got into the break and it's kind of if it was contextualized differently it would kind of be like really dour and almost bittersweet where you find these zombies and you're like oh these are people they're humans that were petrified and now like they you you have to put them down. You can't leave the city walls because they're going to attack you. Um, and it's, it's supposed to be like this kind of sad thing. But then you're like, "All right, time to test out my magic against them." And then you like you fight a few of them, and then Frey does this thing where it's like, "I'm in the major leagues now." Things like that, where she's just taking it so like glibly, and I'm just like, "Uh, what? These are, these are people. <laughs> like, you probably yeah, have yes. met their." family members in the city. And I'm not saying it had to be like super sad and yeah. super serious, right. but I'm like, okay, I'm trying to get invested in the lore of this world about how these people were, they had their trust in these protectors of theirs. And then this corruption is taking away and recontextualizing things that they knew. And many of them have lost family that couldn't make it into the safety of the city. And, Oh, but here's Frey, like just kind of quipping as she shoots magic at them, uh, just outside the city walls, and it's just kind of like incongruent a little bit.
1: Um, I I will say that like well, like the gameplay itself, like free movement and like the combat system, like like the just the early goings for me so far, like that actually has been like okay for me. Like I think mm-hmm. the, the the that aspect has been hitting for me. Like I remember when they actually like let you out into the small part of the world for the first time, like there's this altered zombie bear like mm-hmm. boss. I, I like I played this on like like it's not really a boss, it's like a, a, a optional hard encounter that you can do if you want. It's like I, I play on hard mode because, like, okay, I wonder if like the like the gameplay would be like enjoyable on hard, like just like the, getting you to like, you know, uh, like do more of your magic spells and not having things die as quickly, and so forth. Try and try to make like you know your your base combat count, And like mm-hmm. that, that was like I I spent like an hour and a half on that on that encounter, and like I was pretty, I, I actually really liked it because I got to like understand the ins and outs of combat, of like understanding like like because the the there's like a a dodge in the game that reminds you of like ff15's dodge uh system it does. Where, like yeah you hold down the button and like uh, when you hold down this button like any incoming like attacks coming to you you'll like auto dodge i think it is like th- The like there's like a stamina cost to it but for the most part it's 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 a pretty like damn, damn good dodge so like and, and like and there are ways that, like, when you dodge a certain way and you go up to the air, you can actually, like, when you're up in the air, you can actually, like, do an attack and, like, it's, like, a, almost, like, a guaranteed crit mm-hmm. uh, when you do an attack in the air. And, like, and like exploiting that system is, like, really interesting because it makes you think of, like, okay, how do I, like, dodge incoming things to, to, to a point where, like, I'm able to, like, get airborne? But you don't want to get too airborne because after, like, yeah, a certain point, like once you do an action in the air, like, you're totally vulnerable, so you don't want to be, like, too in the air for too much. In that you want to get to like a certain height where like you fire you 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 jump and you fire it off and like land immediately. Uh so like it, it's interesting uh like like learning that system. I think I think I'm really hoping that like the the spell like learning more spells like um they're more like visually and like mechanically interesting. Like hopefully that like that ramp up uh, like gets going really fast because like I think there's really there's like potential in this battle system where I'm at the moment, but like it really it's kind of a downer when you're like your first like like real attack spells are like basically like the same like Gatling gun like firing off spells and like the only real like indicate like things that like differentiate them is like when you hold down R two like to either have like a burst shot which will like give you like like throw like a big rock at them or like a scad which will be like a more powered up like beam after like Gatling gun them or like a shield shot which is like a kind of gun as where like you get like rock like uh, rock debris and like uh like plunge it all at once like in front of you after it makes like a shield in front of you and like i was like okay i i can see like uh them being useful in certain scenarios but i kind of wish that like there was more variation like starting variation
0: Yeah, I actually thought about that because the the way the game deals this out is that the first magic Frey gets, her inherent magic is purple magic, which is the earth magic. And based on, this was covered in the marketing, as you go through the game, you'll unlock the fire magic and the water magic. And the, the earth magic is kind of a strange thing to start on because when I think of earth magic, I think of like shield, defenses, leeches, poison, which is kind of what those things are. And it's thematically good. It's just when that's what you start out with and that's what you're introduced to, I'm surprised they did didn't go with something a bit more basic like Frey starts with fire magic and then you unlock earth and water and whatever later but mm-hmm. I, I was actually trying to say like normally when i play a game like this i am not completely like comprehensive or like okay i'm gonna see absolutely every icon on the map because there's a ton before i do the story i was actually thinking all right i'm gonna beeline the story a little bit so that i can unlock a few more magic types just to kind of give me that variety rather than bury into what you start with uh for too long before it gets stale um so i do know that there are based on marketing four magic types that you unlock throughout the game i believe the first one you unlock is fire which is if i beat the next story boss i'll unlock that it'll be interesting to see how those because the way that you described it there's for every single element there's an attack magic and then there's support magic attack magic's on your right trigger and bumper uh, or sorry just the trigger your support matrix on your left trigger and there's already even with just the purple magic unlocked there's a little bit of like fun interplay about what things combine together and which you want to use in which situation so I could actually see it's not quite as binary as I don't want to boil this down to like the story is bad the gameplay is good it's not quite as simple as that but I think the story is a little bit bland and uneven but the gameplay has a lot more promise so I do think it teeters in that direction When you talked about the stamina system, I actually think it does a couple things that I think are very smart, because when I first realized that the Dodge system works like Final Fantasy XV, I thought, oh, that's going to make this game brain dead. And because in Final Fantasy XV, you could exploit that to like no end uh, pretty easily without a lot of skill. Um, So I was thinking, oh, this game is going to be similar. And I'm sure you can still get to that same point with practice, but if you hold What defaults to the B button, the parkour button, you will dodge incoming attacks for as long as you have stamina, but your stamina will drain. However, even when your stamina is empty, you can still time B presses to do the same dodge. So I do like that it doesn't punish you completely for running out of stamina. You're not a sitting duck. You just have to use a little bit better timing which i thought that was smart and the other thing that i thought was smart is that as you do the parkour like if you're just in the open field you will also use stamina but if you get into a battle as soon as it like goes into the battle state you you gain at least a partial bar of stamina back immediately i don't know if it's three or four pips or it depends on how many pips you have total but it's you're not going to be in a point where it's like oh crap i entered a battle but i used up all my stamina getting here i'm starting out with zero it gives you like an immediate sum of it, right? Right when the battle initiates, which are two little small things. I'm thinking, okay, there's some smart under the hood things that they've done to make the battles feel good and not feel like uh, my go to example for this always is, dragon's dogma or the, the stamina slash magic meter is what you use to run and cast spells <laughs> which yeah. always felt kind of awkward to fight between those two things where in this game it does kind of the same thing but has a few little those tweaks that make it so it's not quite as cumbersome and on the parkour thing where you talked about how moving around the field feels good um i do agree and it's actually quite like i actually kind of was surprised from like oh at least in this game you move pretty fast. But even with that expectation in mind, there was one point where I was looking at the map and I was like looking at all the icons and there's a ton of them. Like, okay, that's a pretty far away. But then like within like six in-game minutes, I was at my destination because Frey just has a good, the traversal in this game feels pretty good at long distances. And it never quite feels like it's too plotting or slow or meandering. I will say I have run into a few cases where you're like indoors or in a small, more confined space where I'm where the 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 way that the parkour works it's like intending that you have wide chamber to work in where if you're in like a smaller space you don't quite have the dexterity or the like the nimbleness to like position yourself quite that detailed so there's a few times where I was just like flinging myself around a bunch of battles and like willy-nilly and I kind of felt like okay slow down yeah. a bit I almost felt like yeah. I was on on ice it wasn't too bad but I was just kind of like uh I can see it that. works It works better at the large scale than the small scale. But even at the small scale, I think with some practice, it could um, end up feeling pretty good. I think the, I think the thing that's, like, it's difficult to, like,
1: uh, get accustomed to is, like, since you don't really have, like, a manual aim, you have to, like, kind of rely on the auto-targeting medical yeah. to, like, aim your shots and everything. So it's, it's, that always gets a little bit finicky. Like, you can kind of... You can kind of like maneuver it with the right analog stick, but even then, it's just like for the most part, you're kind of having to rely on auto targeting to get you where you need to go. That's just it's it's okay. Um,
0: One thing that one thing that I also found a bit this might just be like acclimating, but the game does this thing where, and a lot of games do this, where when you hit an enemy, they have little health bars over their head. But when you do when you deal damage, at least if I recall correctly, it doesn't deplete right away. It animates down. So, like, if you if you have a health bar, you do half the damage in a hit, it doesn't immediately go chunk down to half. It decreases from full to half in an animation as it slides down the bar. That's also true when the enemy is defeated. So sometimes I wasn't quite clear when the enemy, like, oh, I defeated that enemy because the bar was still depleting from full to empty, except for the fact that I was locked on. But when you defeat it, your lock-on removes itself. Like, oh, I lost my lock-on. That enemy's dead. Time to focus on the next thing. Or I almost just kind of wish where it's like, yeah, the, the animation on your UI is, is fun, but it almost like uh, uh it, it, it removes some clarity from what I'm doing. And in general, it feels like the, the team here at Luminous was really proud of their UI work. A lot of the UI has like, animations when you open a menu or even when you like complete a quest it like sparkles in the frame and then fades out and there's a few times where i'm like i'm like pressing the a button i'm like all right i get it i get it i finish i finish this detour you can sparkle out <laughs> of you now and let me play and it'd be fine if it was just something that like popped in and out on the side but usually it's right in the center of the frame and usually yeah. uh Frey is either locked or stuck in a slow slow position until Whatever animation on the UI is playing finishes and then you're back to being able to roam or it's just a little bit. It's not too annoying, but it's a little bit where I'm just like, all right, I get it. I get it. And when I was uh, I was just completing like a regular dialogue tree where the dialogue had commenced and was finished. But the character had to like reanimate back to their default position before I could uh-huh. like break free from the dialogue interaction. Okay. I'm like, All right, I'm yeah, done, yeah. done talking to you. So there's just a few little niggling issues like that, where I'm like, where it feels sluggish, but deliberately so because the game is just very proud of its animation work and its UI work. Where and, I just kind of wish it like, was snappier. It's
1: very, very FF15 in that respect too, because there are certain things about FF15's UI that's like it's probably taking you too long to do this, and it's because like. Luminous is just a, like it's such a weird, like, engine. Like, they like whenever, the, like, obviously, there's like this technically the second game from Luminous Productions to FF15 being the first one,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: because that team, you know, eventually became Luminous Productions after FF15. And it's just like there's just something about like their approach and their stuff. Like, they really, really want to show you the Luminous engine to the point that's like it feels like it, it kind of feels like FF15 and this game almost feel like. Proof of concepts of the engine, and they hope to like license this engine out to like other developers for them to use, so they can like start getting in like some additional revenue. That way, <laughs> that's like kind of like the 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 voice inside speaking to me saying, "This is why why they're doing this." You know, they're like selling an engine to people. That's why they're doing this. The
0: the the engine is so. I'm not too technically inclined on this sort of thing, but just from the eye test. This game is pretty taxing on my PC. It's probably the most taxing game I've played since Cyberpunk. Um, So it defaults on the high settings to have like ray traced shadows and ambient inclusion. I immediately turn those off because they're too much of a resource hog. And there's some places where the engine does some stuff that I think is like, technically difficult but i don't know if it's worth the trade-off or it doesn't have that wow factor like for instance whenever you go to a monument and you clear it to get your stat boost or your trial or whatever like all the rocks kind of shatter away from the monument in a way where i'm like i bet that that was you know the way that this is animated is taxing and like it's not it's not pre-canned animation it's actually like the physics involved with this shattering of this rock into a hundred little pieces where it's like yeah I, I guess it's fine, but it doesn't really look that great. And then, like the 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 environment is pretty detailed. And I want to like the game looks good. Like, don't get me wrong; I'm not saying it's a bad looking yeah, yeah. game. But like, I don't know if maybe the art direction doesn't pair with it that well because there's a lot of like browns and grays. And I guess that's by design because the whole idea is that the break has corrupted things and petrified things, and the enemies that you're fighting are those are usually like it's a bear only it's green and yellow or it's a human, but it's got yellow tendrils out of them. And maybe it's just the fact that the first area you go to is like a desert region, which might not be the most fanciest to show off. Maybe later in this game, there's a super lush forest or something that I haven't encountered yet. So it's like the game looks nice, but I don't know if it's not doing anything I've really seen before or it's it's, I haven't really ever paused and been like, wow, I need to take a screenshot of this. It just kind of looks fine. It looks good. Maybe my expectations are kind of misaligned, but, um, if, if yeah, your I goal think, if...
1: I, think, I think the only thing that's like really about me so far is like some of the, like the particle effects like during combat like mm-hmm. I, I i think that's but i i generally agree with you too like I, i'm on the same boat with you where like i kind of need like dlss to get me where i need to go with this and like it's, mm-hmm. it's generally like you know i'm like high high settings for the most part. So medium here and there to like kind of get a solid 60 going but yes my pc is like oh what are you trying to run <laughs> <laughs> and there, there's on top of like the the, the crazy file size right they're talking about like over 100 gigs for this game
0: oh like, yeah so I, like... I didn't have enough room <laughs> on my um i have i have uh an old school sata ssd and then i have the nand m2 ssd and it, uh, i didn't want to clear off space off my m2s so i just put it on the sata uh but the one thing that i know has been going through the um the reddit and Another social is that this game makes use of the direct storage capacity of Windows 11, and I'm hoping getting get the details right. But uh, whenever you continue from the menu or even fast travel on the map, it does load really quickly, uh, which, I, which is kind of nice. But one thing that I don't know if it's my setup or if you have a faster SSD, like mine's only a PCI Gen 3 and not 4, so it's slower than what's in a PS5, for instance, for me. But whenever I load up the map, it takes a while for the map to load in, and then if I pan too far left or right, I actually have to like wait to let it load. Oh wow huh. so yeah,
1: I'm not sure. Sh- I, I, I have mine uh, I saw it at Nvme right now uh, so it, yeah, it hasn't been t- too bad for loading. I, I've seen like the PS5 like quick loading though like that mm-hmm. thing, that, that shit is super fast yeah the- on PS5.
0: For me, it's just kind of like fast traveling, barely any loading screen. Loading from the map, like uh, or from the menu. I mean, I don't think I ever got a loading screen. I think it just popped me right there. Bose were fast, but the map was slow. I'm not sure why that was. I'm guessing it's something to do with my configuration, but it, it's a taxing yeah. game. And I, I was actually talking to Adam earlier. I'm like, maybe this year I. Up- I think my computer is like a 2019 build, so not like old, but. Not new anymore, so I'm like, all right, but you know, predates well, these. Just this. Well, what's, your,
1: what's your current? What's your current uh graphics card right now?
0: It's a 3090, but my my <laughs> CPU is old. That's the thing. Uh, so what's your CPU? It's a 9900K. Okay, <laughs> but even people are like, <laughs> well, I, well, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm ru- yeah. I'm running this just fine on high settings. Yeah, I guess yeah, yeah. The, uh, I'd like to be in a place where ray tracing is something I could actually like look at, but not have to play at 20 FPS. But uh, uh um, I don't know, like maybe you have to wait for the next for,
1: for the fifty ninety when it overtakes your whole motherboard and it's like uh, it's eating your motherboard. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I am I, still running this game plenty fine. I don't want to like besmirch that, but it is yeah. taxing. And if you have even a computer that was built like in 2017 or 18, uh probably have to turn down some settings for it. It's just it's just that there the visual trade-off I'm not sure is as apparent as it was like last gen. Or, or maybe yeah, in a I, or maybe yeah, in a different yeah. engine. Yeah, like nothing the, the, the about it is really like wrongly graphically aside from like some of the particle effects.
1: But like the, even then, like some of like the interior lighting kind of like feels super off. Like I feel like the lighting in this game feels off for some reason. Like it, 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 does, it it's it's vivid, but it feels like it feels it feels wrongly lit in like certain spots.
0: It does that thing where I forget what you call this, but the technique where when you're exiting from an interior building, everything is super saturated bright until you step outside. It's supposed yeah. to mimic that like how your eyes adjust when you're going I from a need dimly... That. I way don't way. Need that in games, man. I hate that in games. <laughs> well, I don't I don't think I mind it in concept, but they, they they apply it to an extent where it's like, everything is white. Like, everything is a light bulb until you step outside and think, oh, everything's normal now. Like, okay, you can tone that effect down. I don't know if there's a slider there somewhere in the uh, menu. Uh, that does remind me there are I haven't looked at this a ton, but the game does have a good number of like accessibility settings for in terms of like the subtitles, the size, whether or not the subtitles have a background on them or not, uh, whether or not it displays a um, uh, the speaker's name or not. It has some control-based yeah. accessibility settings, so I don't. Luckily, yeah. I'm in a place where I don't need a ton of those, but I just saw they had a menu dedicated for that. I'm like you know, that's nice. Uh, hopefully, that's the sort yeah, of thing. Speaking where... of
1: subtitles, like I, I really, I really like that you mentioned subtitles because I was gonna forget this, but like. I... The one really, really small little detail that I like, that like it makes my it makes my brain feel good, is like whenever uh, Frey talks, it's like a, a, a normal like you know the subtitles uh, all display at once, and like you know just uh, it's normal. Standard. But whenever cupsby. be. Whenever Cuff speaks, it, like, it, like, writes it out. It's, like, it's, like, there's, like, a, like, there's, like, a small effect where, like, there's, like, a light that, like, kind of uncovers the text that Cuff is saying in the subtitles. I'm, like, ooh, that feels yeah, good. Yeah, I saw that, that too. So smooth. I'm, like, fuck. I'm, like, okay, okay, game. If you, like, if there was more little, small, little details that like, that you had in the game, I'd be, like, more swayed towards your side if you did mm. more stuff like that. Like, that's such a cool effect.
0: Trying to think of what else there is to comment on the on the gameplay front. Um, One thing that I very quickly learned that I don't need to do is that not only does the game like dot you with the different sorts of tasks and challenges and locked labyrinths and lookout points. And yeah, there are kind of like Ubisoft tower type equivalents in this game called Belfries, but it also links on the map a little purple dot, at least it defaults to purple for every single treasure chest. And at first, I was like going from treasure chest to treasure chest, but most of them, or maybe all of them, contain just crafting materials. And I'm just like, all right, I don't need this. And so, I'm guessing I can go into the map settings and turn off like you don't need to show me all these treasure chests. But the fact that it decided to put those all on the map just kind of really fills it up to a kind of an obnoxious degree. Uh, that might just be a nitpick and just me like being a little a fossil and being like, I don't need all this information when I can probably turn it off and I just haven't done it yet.
3: The presentation of uh, the
0: map itself is is kind of cool. because It's like a
1: three like D model rendering of, of yeah. like the world, but it's like kind of like it's kind of like almost like a like a, a tabletop view of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that, that that's kind of a neat effect that they have too. So there's like little small things here and there. For some, it's like oh, that's pretty neat. Like with some of the tech that they use in this game. <laughs> like all right, like yeah, I, those... I, I can see. I, I I I'm really I'm really curious. Like I I I know they'll never do it, but I would love to see like what earlier iterations of first spoken look like it was like behind the scenes like because like people have kind gained this understanding that like this game has like gone through like several redevelopment reworks like behind the scenes over the years like and trying to struggle to find an identity of like what this game like has shaped, like what this game initially shaped up to be and like all the current iterations and reiterations and like what this game was until uh, uh all up until the point of like what the final shipping product was. Like I'm really interested to see like like I'm sure, like, obviously, the the very, very base foundation of this, like, of this game obviously was from that Agnes philosophy tech demo way back Mm. when, you know, and that's a very different tone and style and seeing, like, I wonder just, like, what the development rework looks like for this game, dude, over the years.
0: There was a few other little story related things that I was thinking that the game could have done slightly differently. For instance, one of the things that the game does to a small extent is obviously Frey is from New York and Cuff is not from Athia, but doesn't know what New York is either. So it's kind of strange. Like, where is Cuff from? That's kind of like the uh, uh, one of the lingering questions from the early onset of the game. Uh, There's a point in the game where you encounter like uh, a a character sneaks up on Frey uh, and Cuff says something like there's there's a person underneath that mask and Frey says, no shit, Sherlock. And I feel like they could have. Frey speaks like that pretty generally, where she she she's a potty mouth. She speaks with like uh, not not a ton of slang, but a little bit. And I feel like they could have played with that interplay more. Where if she said no shit, Sherlock and Cuff could have been some, like, excuse me, who or something like that. But it doesn't play quite in that way. So there's a few things like that where I was like, oh, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it this way, at least have some fun with it, or at least make it like more coherent where mm-hmm. uh, right now it just kind of feels like really incongruent the things like the, the thing that they ha- that they have kind of drilled on in a few times is that Frey is from New York and Cuff keeps saying Newark, N E W A R K instead of New York and the and yeah. so, I felt like they could have made that more of a general and they only dial into that one joke a few times but uh I felt like they could have made it more of a general interaction where Frey says something and this, I guess this has showed up a few times when Frey interacts with some of the other characters in the city where she says something and then has to explain what she means because it's a turn of phrase. Um, but right now it almost feels ham-fisted and doesn't feel like it's, it's fun and it should be fun. And I don't know exactly know what's missing. Uh, I, th- But it's just something where they're, they they went for something and it's just not quite landing for me.
1: Yeah, it's just that, it's just that thing again of like, like, even when he tries to like, present that sort of like dialogue and like it doesn't know how to deal with like certain like dynamics to make it at least you know like there's a certain like understood thing that like that that clips with people that people like like that style of humor but they but they know when to like when when it's done well and if it's not hitting for them like that that like they people don't have to like know exactly like the the whole like dynamics of that it's like it but people are, are very very keen on like Okay, I know when humor is hitting for me, and it's not, you know. And that I, I think for this game, it's like it kind of it, it tries to like lead into that sort of, thought of humor, but it doesn't know how to deal with character dynamics interactions. To like, like really set it up for it at all, to be honest. <laughs> like it, it, it like it, it presents a thought there, but it doesn't follow through with it, at the moment.
0: So I'm eager to like... So I'm currently playing two games at the moment. I'm still making my way through Fire Emblem Engage. I think I'm on chapter like 16 or 17. And then I started up this and I focused on this so I could talk about it on this episode of the podcast. But um, I'm actually kind of like... I'm enjoying... the. Again, this is like an apples and oranges thing. The only reason I'm even putting these games in the same breath is that they released a week apart from each other. Uh, I'm enjoying Forspoken enough that I'm like, maybe I'll just play Forspoken today instead of more Fire Emblem, even though I do think I'm enjoying Fire Emblem more. I am really curious, like I mentioned earlier, to get far enough in Forspoken once you've gotten through the hurdle of setting up the premise of the world and the character and just unlocking kind of like the gameplay systems and just getting to a point where you've got the multiple magic types and you know kind of what all the optional objectives are and you start tiering up the magic levels and there's little challenges that you can do to uh, start start decking out your gear or in- improving the crafting. And I kind of just want this, the game to open up because once it does, I think there's some. Some stuff here that you could really latch onto and have a lot of fun with. You just kind of have to. You know, you almost have to just like pay into the game first, both literally because it's a seventy dollar game, but also in terms of yeah, uh, it,
1: putting it, it's, it's such up. a large ass. Yeah, because you're like you're not about like six seven hours in already. It's like but it opens up, you know. It's yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> once once you pay seventy bucks and once you get to the six hour mark, then it's pretty fun. <laughs> so uh, at least I'm hoping <laughs> a that's a lot. Yeah. So hmm. uh. It, it'll be interesting to see like what where the where the like the consensus of this game kind of lands once because i think a lot of people are still working their way through it and people have just we've obviously have had people like rpg fan i believe uh, digital foundry and ign also had a uh, coverage of this game pre-release so obviously those opinions are valid but it'll be interesting just to see like where the general attitude of this game turns out because I'm i'm still kind of like all right same team as Final Fantasy fifteen. I, I really well, wonder like
1: how many people are like left to like really give it a chance. To be honest, like I don't, I don't know. Like it feels like it, feel, it, it like on 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 the surface it feels like so many people like just bounced off already. Like I don't know,
3: I don't know what, a... what
1: like it, if it actually like becomes like an amazing game like you know end game or something. Like will there be like a crowd for it to be like yeah this is rec- it's actually really good. It gets that that sort of resurgence,
0: like hypothetical resurgence. Like I don't know if it. If it gets that. And I'm I'm still like what I was gonna say was Final Fantasy 15 had a strong premise and opening, but then completely fell off the rails at the end. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's no reason to expect that for Forespoken, but I'm interested, a lot of times open world games in general kind of have a hard time having a strong narrative pacing. And I'm wondering it's like, all right, if Forspoken gonna hit par on that or is it also going to like it starts out kind of on a shaky foot not terrible but not super endearing it's okay um but is it going to get stronger as it gets towards the end or is it just going to stay the course and kind of be the sort of thing that you either take it or leave it. And I'm not sure exactly why this game is kind of a hard sell in terms of its premise. Um, and maybe it only is, maybe that's just my impression. And I don't want to generalize it too much, but it just seems like it's a hard game to be excited for on premise alone. You kind of have to explain how the game works and how the systems fit together. And those sorts of things, rather than just saying I'm sold because of the premise or the trailer or the or the art style or the characters or the interactions or things like that. So it's one of those things where you kind of have to dig in and we'll see if there's anything worth finding there for something where it's going to be like, nah, it was all right.
1: Ray's gonna after a time skip. Ray's going to have like a uh, elder wizard powers and like a <laughs> big ass switch hat.
0: I, I i honestly don't know like if there's some sort of big twist where i don't know know, yeah <laughs> Just Just
1: making, i kind of make shit making shit up because ff 15 had that time skip
0: no well uh, there's always there's always like the sorts of archetypes that we've seen in other stories like athia is actually new york a thousand years in the future or um cuff is a character from phrase life or uh this is how the real world and uh and athia interact. So i'm like i I don't know if there's anything that could come out that I'd be surprised by. It's gonna, it's
1: gonna turn into the tails game. It's like it's like the world of Athia and the and the earth are like turned like are, are actually facing towards each other and like faces towards doing about like have collided to each other.
0: Uh no, it'd be interesting to see like uh that we listen back to this podcast once one of one or both of us have finished this game. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> <those> stupid <laughs> predictions. Yeah, or, or something like that. Or actually maybe it's just gonna play it straight and be like, nope, Athia, it's just fantasy. It's just uh, you know. It's just Narnia under a different name. (laughs) 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 But yeah, we will likely talk about Forspoken again on this podcast. I'm not exactly sure at what timing or pacing, because it kind of depends on how long it takes us to go through it. And obviously the early release schedule of this year has been, is pretty crazy. Um, I was looking ahead at the release calendar, and April is when it really seems like it kind of becomes like a a big question mark in terms of of the RPG release cadence specifically. So maybe uh, once we get through all the releases in February and March, uh, obviously at some point a review will be written and we'll cover it again at that point. So kind of up in the air. We don't know exactly what the game has in store or at what point we'll be talking about it again, but... Uh, we giving giving our honest impressions of the opening hours of the game thus far. Uh, if you have different or similar impressions, go ahead and leave a comment on this podcast or on the YouTube video. Interested to hear what your thoughts are so far on Forspoken. Forspoken really was the um, the main kind of topical release of the week, and we had already spoken about Fire Emblem, I think, three weeks in a row, so I think we're going to let that one lie for a bit. So actually, for the opening section of this podcast, the remaining three games that I have listed here are, are a bit of a hodgepodge, but I'm kind of okay with that. Um, and one of these we've actually covered uh, as it was announced last year, it was a big deal to Josh. Uh, and we made it kind of the headline of the one of our summer podcasts in 2022. And that is an official English release of Witch on the Holy Night as it was re-released for Switch, I believe digitally last year and physically this year. So yeah, Josh, yes, yeah. yeah, so the Switch and PlayStation. So I'm going to hand this off to both Josh and Chow, because I know Josh has played this before, and I believe Chow is playing it now. He had just received his copy, or copies.
2: No, no, no. I I, I received the Japanese version back okay. pretty late, like, two weeks ago when I ordered it, because I used the most cheapest shipping possible. <laughs> and then that's that's the price you pay for, for being cheap. But anyways, I, I just finished the game yesterday, and then, at the same time I heard there was the limited edition physical, I'm like, Gotta get it. It's a limited edition. You gotta and, support, and I w- gotta buy this game <laughs> because there is some sequel fate in this game. And there's like this is missing like, and I need to support it because I need to know what happens. Uh, is it,
1: uh, that that and also like like it's like one of those things like you want to support it like so convince Type Moon to like it it uh, to like release more games internationally because this is like a phenomenon. There's like the first like mainline Type Moon visual novel. To like get an official English release, to, to be frank, after how many freaking years? Yeah. So yeah, I'm it's still just...
2: surprised there's no Melty Blood. I mean, not Melty Blood, uh, uh Tsukihime uh, remake announcement, like in English. You know.
1: I mean, so... everyone like you know, it's kind of what everyone wants to um, is holding their breath for. But you know, like, uh, Chow, like what what did you, have you have you uh, read this game before? Because this this game originally came out like in 2012. You know, it's like there's not uh... there's not a new story. I, I
2: read maybe just, like, the first chapter. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, this is extremely hard Japanese to read. Oh, yeah, Do I it's wait super for...
1: hard. Holy Do I shit. Wait... <laughs>
2: Do I wait for the fan translation? It's like, okay, so I think the the whole general consensus is... That the fan translation had to give up because the official localization finished them before they did, because it took them like who knows how many years to get to like chapter
1: 10. Uh, look, there's a there's a whole thing behind the fan translation of which of the holy night, like before you got an official release, like you know, when people tried to fan translate it. Like, you know, it's not it's not like just because it's like it's like the the like the length of the script, yeah it is, but it's not like as lengthy as like some other ones. So it's, it's not like it's not like it's like difficult. Let's say, of course, it's extremely difficult, Maybe I mean, like, lengthwise, it's not like you know, it's not as insurmountable as like you know, how Fate, Stay, and Night was back in the original Suki Imei back in the day. Like, those scripts are still fair, like, pretty more lengthy than this one. But it's just like kind of like the probably a lot of drama behind the scenes, like you know, over the years. Yeah, I was, like,
2: reading it up. There was, like, a a different group each time when there's, like, a new chapter comes out or something.
1: Yeah, and, and like, and then I think there's, like, a Russian translation that at some point or, like, French translation that, that like, fan translation that people were trying to work off of. So it was, like, it was a whole saga, like, throughout the years, like, a decade in the making, really.
2: Um, I, I, I think the current scene is now they're trying to, like, even, like, redo the current translation and add, like, the voice patch to the PC port. That was or like PC original release. I think that's that's what's going on in the community hacking scene. But oh, I, I don't think we get know. too far into that.
1: I don't know, but, but yeah. What, what did you think, man? I mean, like uh, obviously now that you've read the whole story, like it's to me, it's like it's fucking it's still awesome. I still really really enjoyed it. But
2: uh, how, okay, how did so, it, how
1: did how did it go for you?
2: Okay, so the beginning starts off very slow. I, I think I, I, everyone can kind of agree with that. But okay. I don't mind. I don't mind slow because. Like, if you're looking, like, in, like, Fate Night's Day or, or some other of uh, Natsuverse kind of stories, you hate the slice of life moments sort of thing. But here, it's actually very good. I actually like the slice of life moments. Um, What is it? I think there's, like, only, like, one character that I don't like in this game. And that's uh, the main character is uh, worker, the one that he works at with the Chinese restaurant. Oh yeah, that dude. <laughs> that dude is like the most forgettable dude. It's like, hey man, we're gonna go out and get some girls. What do you think?
1: <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's a classmate. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he's your typical like you know, kind of, your typical clown. yeah, yeah your typical dude, bro, friend. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the classmate clown. It's all like, right. but yeah, he's he he's the only forgettable character. Um, but I I love all the characters in this game technically besides him uh i think Dang. yeah i i think the best thing they ever added is the voice acting I, mean, yeah, like...
1: I, I was really i was really um impressed with the voice act like usually i'm like with adam like him and i share very similar views of like you don't need to like add voice acting to like make this better like like smt nocturne for example that we release it's like you know like that game is like really 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 like effective already without voice acting so what can voice acting really bring but i was like a like a like you're about to say, like, child, like, I was really impressed, like, with the voice acting too after I was done with this re release. Go on.
2: Yeah, like, with the voice acting, like, those battle scenes are, like, way more epic than it needs to be. Like, there's, like, these fight scenes that it's, like, with the puppet and all this thing. It's like, oh my God, this is so cool. It, it's I, pretty,
1: it's a pretty interesting visual novel, right? Because, like, the battle scenes are, like, they're like not the main highlight, like, but they are very, very spectacular events when they happen. But they're, they're very, there's very, very, very few of them. Like yeah, the there's
2: there's little battle scenes in this. Like there's like probably like only like three major battles in this entire series, and everything else is just kind of like sliced life and character interactions. Uh so let's let's kind of rewind a little bit, mm-hmm. like go back who our characters are. So in this game, you there's. Technically, three main characters, I would say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the trio. Uh, so we have this guy that comes from the mountains and he went to the city. So this guy is kind of like emotionless. And because he's raised in the mountains, he doesn't know life too well. He's like the purest, most innocent, ignorant person there is.
1: Yeah. I, I wouldn't say he's like emotionless, but he's, he's very, he's very like kind of, um, into the whole thing because he he moved from the mountains to the city and like he's still like you're when you're at, interacting he's not he's not like he's not like showing emotion like you can see yeah, like when he's like, like satisfied or anything but he's like he's very subdued
2: yeah like there will be like some scenes it will be like hey I just saw some. Uh, somebody just get killed up there. It's like, is that is that novel in the city?
1: Yeah, this guy's name is So Sojudo. That that that's his name, and it's like he's kind of like your. It's like your typical like on his part is his part of the story is like he's trying to get acclimated to like the city life after living only living in the mountains without electricity for like pretty much his entire life up until that point. I,
2: I think the most hilarious thing about this guy is he has like a thousand part-time jobs or something. He always has a different job every time. Like the character talks to him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Like but yeah, but <laughs> that, that, like trying to he's a he's a very much a like a go-getter to like make things work, trying to survive. Like he just has like a billion part time jobs on uh, different part time jobs on top of like attending school. You know, <laughs> he, that, he's that sort of dude. He's like <laughs> you talk to him, he's like he's like at a different part time job
2: every time. It's like all right. <laughs> it's never consistent. It's like, is he still working at the place? No. It's like okay, then there is Aoko uh, Asuki. Um, you if you play Melty Blood, you you'll see her. She's actually a playable character there. Uh, I I kind of like. Oh, enjoying. Oh,
1: we got it. Go a, James. for it, yeah, yeah. oh, oh, chow. We'll, we'll, we'll introduce James later.
2: <laughs> okay, no no worries. Uh, so okay, so like I know her from like Melty Blood and the parody Tsukihime anime, the Carnival Fan.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: yes, I know her from there as the groomer. <laughs> she's like trying to groom the main character because she's like this main character's master in that. So that's that left like a complete wrong impression of what this character is supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, she's like this really hot-tempered student council president, and she is like the hero to the Azuki uh, family, and she's supposed to like know like the like the magic, and magic is very important in the Natsu verse.
1: So. Yeah, she she comes basically from like a, like a esteemed family that like in that part of their lineage is like uh, carry on like carrying on like a uh, like a uh, uh, like the the magicians like legacy pr- pretty much like uh, um so like but when you get to a certain age you you can become an heir to like uh, inherit like the magic of that family and ma- magic magic is not like very loose in this. Uh, Like world it's it's actually very very important and very like exclusive to like certain individuals it's not like free form or like anyone can use it it's like only very restrictive to like certain like block lines
2: i don't know like the way they describe it it sounds like bitcoin mining it's like once someone like mine it (laughs) out it's like you cannot get it and it belongs to that person Uh,
1: that's certainly um like the way, oh, a way have, to describe it.
2: That's the way, like the way I was reading. It. That's how oh, I Jesus. was. Like, I was looking at it.
1: It's yeah. I mean, the, the, this game, like for better or worse, like you know, you, you like it. It'll kind of make you like sort of invested in like how magic works in the Nasuverse, verse. like it's Fates day and night or DMA or any of his other like kind of like tangential like spinoff works from those like like the like one of the consistent things about this, like, the universe that, like, Nasu, like, involves himself in and, like, writes in, is, like, the rules the of magic, and it's, like, and that's uh, very clearly laid out, like, in this visual novel, and, like, it's never really explained in, the, in, in much detail anywhere else, so people who didn't, like, read this visual novel are always very murky about the details of how magic works in his works up until until this point.
2: Yeah, like, <laughs> because has describing very good detail on how it works. <laughs> So like, it's it's basically called like Magecraft is like just a cheap imitation, and everyone's just trying to farm for the real magic, which hardly anyone has farmed.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. that, that's how yeah.
2: that's how they were describing it.
1: Anyway, get get, get like you know we're getting off topic. So the, the 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 third main character. Did uh, you... The
2: third main character is Alice. Uh, she's basically uh, Alco's uh, partner in crime. She's she's like this. How, how do I say it? She she doesn't express much, <laughs> but. <laughs>
1: Yeah, she she's not just like emotionless for sure. The, the she's not, she's a natural born witch. She's like kind of Alko's uh, roommate and 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 mentor, and they both live up to like in this uh, like this manor from uh, Alice's manor up in like the like the mountains away from the city uh, from there. Because like well, one of the main rules of like magicians and witches and so forth is like no one can know that like you you use magic. There, there, there are reasons why, like they go with the whole explanation of like why, but like it's it, it is of the utmost secrecy that like no one must know that like you can use magic. That is like one of the main uh, plot points of this like game, Magic the
2: Masquerade. Yes. <laughs> like, is it too too much into spoilers to say what happens in chapter five ish? I, I I
1: mean I mean the the, the very basic. I'm going set to of
3: read a, this eventually. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I mean, like the, the the like, there's not a spoiler to say that like. There's a certain uh, 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 there. There are certain like one of the main things about this case, like someone witnesses that they used magic, and then that's kind of like one yeah, of the main plot points like, of the game.
2: The whole <laughs> plot point is this: it's just a very innocent bystander that witnesses an event, and now things happen.
1: <laughs> there are th- there are certain ramifications, and like for the cert- the whole entire game, and like it it, it, it does it, it it frames it pretty well, and like and and uh, how it goes about it. So it's like. I know you want to talk about the story, Chow. But like one of the things about this game is this, like,
2: it's, it's the story. You can't. Yeah, it's so
1: it. good. It's really good. It's re- it's really awesome. People, more people should read it. I guess that's kind of the main thing. And it's like it's an interesting tale. Like you, know, you that like I, I I say this again and again about the game. And like when it was announced, I don't know, like the when the re release was announced and all that is like. You don't have to like know of like any of like Nasu's works. You don't have to know about Fate Stay and Night. You don't have to worry about Tsukihime. You don't have to worry about Melty Blood. You don't have to worry about any of that shit to like appreciate the story on its own. You can read the story totally standalone from everything else and have an awesome time with it. You know, that's kind of like the 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 nice thing about it. And like like one of the main strengths about it is like it's totally separate from everything else. Like you can go dive deeper if you want after this, but you can just appreciate the story on its own without any strings attached to it
2: yeah i think that, that's a good selling point i don't know like i i'm thinking like watching like the garden of sinners after this but good. I, I feel like i, I want to watch it with my friends like i don't i don't want to watch it by by myself so. I, I
1: i I need to rewatch those for some time now but i have no idea when i can get around to it but I, it's it that's a fantastic series of films to get around to but yeah, I'm like uh, like I'm with you, child, I'm just really surprised at like how much the voice acting has like really enhanced my exp- enjoyment of this game.
2: Like, uh, I, I I think like just having like Haruka Tomatsu as Aoko is like god tier, and then you get like the stone cold Hanakana like that. That's like the best kind of role she does, like the stone cold. Voice that yeah,
1: yeah. Alice is, uh, as Hanakana, uh, Kana Hanazawa. Uh, yeah. It's a, re- a really, really interesting role that like you don't really get to see too much of her often, like in, in that kind of role. But it really, really works. It,
2: it's like what she's best at, but she's kind of like used to like doing like either like over Genki kind of characters. I, I, I
1: love that they the got Yusuke Kobayashi though for for Sojuro. He works works super well for that for that. Oh, yeah, role. he's
2: a god tier voice actor too. Like he's uh. He he did, like, Super-Ru from ReZero, so he's very famous for that. Because there's, like, yeah. certain scenes in that show where he had to do, a, like, an imitation of other characters because he got possessed. And it was, like, that voice acting is so good. <laughs> so yeah. With him they're, having there. Their...
1: They but... also got uh, Toshinari uh, Fukamichi for uh, Tobimaru, which is one of, like, the the, one of, one of the student council members that uh, serves under Aoko Ao, Ao, Ao um, yeah,
2: at the Vice President.
1: Yeah, he's actually really cool. Like, I really like the way they depicted him this time like, The first time when I read the story, I didn't think much of it, but like, like the 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 voice that they gave him really added to him. I really like him in the in the re release now.
2: Like I said, there is no character you'll dislike in this except for the main character's coworker. <laughs> he's just forgettable, I guess. Right? Yeah. Uh
1: but like... it's a, it's, a, it's a really cozy story. Like you like you like you mentioned. Like it's like yeah, there's a lot of a lot of like really great slice of life. And when I think about like character writing. Like in in visual novels, like this does it so effectively because it it like it it, it gives everyone a very well rounded, like, take on them. And like, you really get a a strong sense of like why they think the way that they do. And like, they they, it provides a strong sense of like how they were raised as well. Like, you understand why they they believe that the things that they do, that they hold up the morals and values the way that they do because of the way that they were raised, the way that they're characterized. And I think that this game really, really. Uh, does a, an amazing job at that. It's like it's like it's like you're wondering at first, like why is this character like doing the things that they're doing, and like and then the the way that they explain it and why that they're doing. It, it's like okay, that's very interesting. Why they, that that they're reacting this way to certain things in this in this game? And it's like I think that's the the if there's like one thing that this game does really well, more so than like other things and like other types of media. It's like it's that angle of it.
2: Like okay, so like when you think about it this kind of like feels like the prototypes for fate night stay with the school interactions but here like it feels just like the writing is just a lot better there do you think it's because uh natsu went back in it and kind of like rewrite it and make improvements or do you think that's kind of like how how you originally envisioned it do you think I,
1: I, I mean when you think about like i wrote up a feature on this game and it was first like announced uh, the re-release was announced and like and I don't know exactly, like, what sort of rewriting were, happened to, like, you know, what we got in the final version. But, like, Witch on the Holy Night is, like, the 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 story concept itself is, like, the very first thing Nasu ever wrote. Like, it was never, like, the original version of Witch on the Holy Night was, like, never publicly published. It was only, like, kind of, like, shared with, like, his friends at the time. But, like, the core concepts, from what we understand, is, like, remains the same as, like, like... In terms of like magic and like the terms of the like the like main story like I don't know exactly like what sort of like things like he decided to rewrite or write as like the as time went on, but from what we understand like a lot of like what was written here is like kind of almost largely intact- intact like foundationally so i don't so like at, at some at some like it it's interesting and funny to think about it's like like, when he wrote Tsukihime and Fate Stay Night, which did get, like, publicly released, um, you know, like the the fundamentals of magic in both of those games were based on, like, a largely unpublished work from which on the Holy Night, the original draft of it.
2: Sorry to think about it. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know. Like, I'm just saying, like, in, in my opinion, I just feel like, like, I the it, like, the school, like, like slice of life moments in, like, Fate Night Day. You know, it's like there's not interesting at all, or maybe that's just like watching an anime form where it's yeah. not capturing like the character motivation, like when you're reading it here. Because here it'll describe what makes each character tick, right? Mm-hmm. But you're not getting that if you're watching uh, adaptation, right? You
1: know, yeah, I mean, like it's like it's, it's a total like inverse of like what you expect from Masu's works, especially like Fate Day and Night. You know, like um, um, Shiro is not like Sojuro, you know, Sojuro is. A lot more competent in like the day-to-day activities, and he's more more competent in the way he conducts himself. Because more, more, the, uh, more because it's out of like kind of like like not ignorance, but more like that just that that's just his personality. He's like more built for it, unlike Shiro, which like he's like kind of like your more typical uh, high school student. It's kind of like more tender on the inside while Sojiro is more uh, like firm, but like and more like intact mentally in in a, in a way. Like more, more of a, he exhibits more of that fortitude, which Shiro doesn't, like in Fate's Day and Night. And like Shiki as well, also in Tsukihime, right? Like, like Sojuro, once again, is kind of like more competent in like the day to day like activities and like not less tender, but has has more of that fortitude compared to like Shiki in Tsukihime. So it's kind of like an interesting like inverse of like character archetypes and like, and what we think of like, like, kind of like uh, where, where, these for like protagonists start at like at the beginning of their stories. Like Shiki and uh, Shiro, kind of less competent than Shoujiro, but the, the way they develop, well, you'll just have to read their stories to see how that goes. But yeah, I mean, at like you said, hopefully this leads to more Type Moon works getting officially released in the West down the road. Hopefully Nasu gets around to like writing and releasing like the uh follow up to Bitch on the Holy Night before like we all perish. I don't know.
0: I, I don't know
2: like what's the current state is. Like, okay, so Reddit says 110K doesn't seem like much, but when you think of visual novels, 110K for the you know, like the Prius sales number, that, that's a lot for
1: that's a lot. That's novels. a that's re- that's a really respectable number for visual novels. That's like don't don't let people like people's like public outlook like fool you. That's an impressive number for modern visual novels. Today for 110k, and like, like, then it's still growing. Pop, like, 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 of- like like like, like Suki like just did like I think 500k alone, like in Japan. And there's like that's like I like an unheard like absurd number, like you know, in, in modern visual novel sales. Like that's really, really, really good.
2: Yeah, like I don't know. I I need that sequel. I There's like some missing parts in between. I I, I need what happens. I need to know.
1: <laughs> I forgot how many parts Natsu envisioned uh which the only, i think it was like three parts
2: i forgot Yeah, that's like what i heard from a twitter post but like so, I, know, I never heard uh, directly from natsu i don't know what what yeah and, uh yeah
1: I, I don't know if i'm ever gonna like live that long to like read all of it i would love to but i don't know at this rate <laughs> i don't know
2: i mean waited 10 years for for english localization anything's possible now
1: yeah it's Pandora's box has like kind of been unleashed. Like I think about this, like made that Super Robot Wars is now like kind of like a international like release, right? Like you can't like, you can't like release another thing from like Type Moon or Super Ro- the the Super Robot Wars series of like it. They have to be they have to be released in the West now. Like you op- you've opened that box, you're not allowed to close it. <laughs> Please don't. Well,
0: it's but cool yeah, that yeah, we've had. Yeah. Two chances to talk about this game with back when it was first revealed that it was going to happen last year. And now Josh already has read it previously, and then uh, Chow getting hands on with the re release just uh, this last couple of weeks. And then, as you heard halfway through that discussion, uh, we did introduce and welcome James back to the podcast.
3: Sorry for being a bit late, everyone.
0: Ah, No, it's no problem. And actually, your timing is quite good because I believe this next game that we're going to be talking about. It was a shadow drop this last week, and it's not really in the RPG space, but it's something that uh, I know has been kind of highly regarded and has seemed to take a life of its own over the last seven days, and that is the surprise release of Hi-Fi Rush from Tango Gameworks. Now, I'm going to need to rely on you guys to kind of explain this to me a little bit, because I was kind of under a rock back when this shadow dropped and got released, and really great word of mouth. People are saying that this is could be one of the best of the year, and no one was expecting it. So uh first of all i want to make sure i'm not presuming incorrectly james you have been playing hi-fi rush correct
3: yes, yes all
0: right i'll just hand it off to you then so like what is this game and why has it all of a sudden been like vogue to talk about in the last week
3: um so it's kind of like a mix between like a character action game like a devil may cry or bayonetta a rhythm game and a uh, 3d uh like a linear like a uh, platformer it's uh really interesting because it's like the entire game is about uh, moving to this beat and uh the game like everything in the game moves to that beat so you can use that as sort of a uh, guide for when you need to uh prep, like input your commands uh so like you have uh the main character chai even has this uh, little like robot cat friend uh 808 who uh like kind of acts as like a um, metronome in the like right next to him and and also lets you know which of your partners that you eventually get is uh selected so when you use the button to call a partner in like in the middle of a combo or for something in the level you'll know you don't need to check you can just see oh it's blue so it's this one or green it's this one so on and so forth um this was shadow dropped during Microsoft's Developer Direct, I think it was called. Yeah, Developer Direct. Yeah, Developer Direct. And they, like, before it was announced, they said, oh, yeah, we're going to be showcasing four games today. Redfall, uh, Forza, <clears throat> uh, Minecraft Legends. Uh, what was the fourth one? Uh, but anyways, there ended up being a fifth one. In, um so pe- nobody knew that Tango was working on this, especially Elder Scrolls Online. Ah, gotcha. But yeah, nobody knew that Tango was working on this. And a lot of people were really surprised that they even released something like this, because the like the last like like the games they've released have been the Evil of Finn one and two, and most recently, like Ghostwire Tokyo, all of which have a similar like horror vibe to them. And out of nowhere, they just completely shadow drop a game that it wouldn't be, like, uh, it wouldn't be misplaced to compare it to something like Beautiful Joe or something. It's really interesting.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, like, the like the first of their portfolio. Like, the like have this color profile, this color palette. It's, like, it's such a nice, upbeat vibe to it. Like, it, it, it honestly, it makes me happy just playing it, just, like, seeing it. It's, like, because we've seen, like, so many games, like, Kind of take out this downtrodden sort of like, like visual style to them. all this
3: was like very full of life, very vibrant,
1: very it's yeah. very nice.
3: Between the vibes and the gameplay, and like pretty much everything about it, people have been making jokes about how this feels straight out of like it feels like a GameCube or a PS2 or an original mm-hmm. Xbox game. And I can completely see what they mean because it definitely has a bit of that like feeling. Like people like after like people like when they were playing it realized you know. This reminds me of not just the Capcom game, but a Clover game. So people Uh looked into it and it turned out that the so the director is John Johannes, but the lead game designer on the game based off the credits was actually like he he was the director of Beautiful Joe, too. Oh, wow. So, well, I guess that makes sense then. (laughs) Yeah, it it shows the the this game like like I, the basic
1: setup for this game is like you're you're this character main character Chai, um he he's off to like kind of be a rock star. That's his uh, his dreams and aspirations. So he go he kind of finds himself in like in a weird situation where like that like there's like the society that he's in where like they're they're kind of like raided almost and like he's kind of like bottom of the barrel. Um, it like uh he's like this to be a garbage collector and like. And like they kind of retooled their workers to become like robots, but by some uh, by chance, you know, uh, his uh, MP three Walkman player uh, gets dropped on him right before he's about to get like uh, pressed to become a robot. And like, but ha- sort of happens. is, like he gains his robot arm, and like the and like his uh, MP three Walkman player is like imprinted into like directly into like his chest. So, like, that, that all justifies, like, why it's, like, it's a rhythm game. It's, like, narrative. It, it makes sense narratively. Like, you're going to the beat of, like, whatever's playing in your chest. And, like, and obviously, like, you're considered a defect. So, everyone's, like, out to get you. And that's, like, kind of, like, based on uh, the, the premise of the first stage. So, it's, like, a lot of the first stage, is like, kind of introducing you to the concepts. That's all. I've only beaten the first stage. But, like, it, like, it made a very strong impression on me already of, like, you know, you you have your typical, um Switching up between light and heavy attacks, and they all uh, they all go by a beat. So like, there's like a certain beat that uh, that uh, tutorial lies to you.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of different combos. There's a lot of different abilities you eventually get access to. Like, you can get a parry. You can juggle enemies with one of your partners. You can. Uh... Uh, there there's all sorts of things there's a bunch of different like air combos there's like eventually you get access to combos that don't end on a beat hit so you can can, can, like if you're in the middle of the air you can use that combo and then just continue on because like so the way the combat works is that most combos and again it's since it's a rhythm game it's like rhythm based and there's some combos where it's like they kind of contextualize like How, like, if you do some combos in, like, character action games, like uh, Devil May Cry, sometimes there's going to be combos where you want to, like, hold off attacking in the middle of a string for just a little bit to get a slightly different, like, uh, combo. Uh, That's, uh, like, contextualized here is, like, oh, you're... you're," It's like you're doing a rest, like a musical rest, and then you're continuing on the combo that way. And uh, a lot of these combos end with something called a beat hit, which is kind of like a wicked weave from Bayonetta 2 where you end with a super-powered attack if you, like, time this, uh, like, um, basically this QTE, like, um, in a, like, if you time it right, and then um, eventually you get access to stuff like, oh, you can expend some of your meter to uh, use your partner with the beat hit to do, like, a kind of like a finisher with them that's flashier and does more damage. And then there's, like, there's a lot to the combat system. It's kind of insane,
1: yeah and, and it's a lot of fun to learn, but like even like if you're like me and you're like not like the best at like rhythm games, like being, beat, like being on the beat, like being on the beat like gets you like bonus damage, and it's very helpful, but like even if like you're missing like you know the beat sometimes like you're not like super punished for it or anything, like you can still do your combos and still like play it like a character action game and and like you know and and you don't have to like be like a master at rhythm games to like kind of like just be competent at this game like uh like uh, me i'm like still like not like great at like doing like like the the just timings or anything mm-hmm. like that but like it like, it's it's still very playable to me it's still very fun and it's like it's it's it still feels so gratifying like you know your hits still feel how, like have that sort uh sense of weight and they can like you feel like, like you know your hit uh hits are like doing impact to the enemy and like doing damage and like you're not being you're, you're like you're you're not totally left out in the dust if like you can't like like Get it always right, like I you know to the beat, which is nice. Like I, I, I like like I feel like some games like heavily punish you for like not being able to like be always on the beat. You know, I think of like stuff like uh, so, like what like I think of like um, it it kind of reminds me of um, it's this kind of like a weird uh, a, a weird um comparison but like i think of like dmc devil may cry of like not having like the right like the right weapon types for certain enemies that they just bounce off so it's like oh like it feels really bad that like my weapons just bounce off because like i didn't have like the right weapon type equipped it's like no like this one like you can still like kick your enemies and it still feels good to like, like just playing it like more like a, a standard action game but just you know really fun and i'm really uh uh looking forward to like playing more of it uh down the line
0: and the very last game we have listed here to talk about is not a new one, but just another game that we figured, hey, uh, we'll talk about on this podcast while we have an opening to. And that is something that Chow's been playing, River City Girls 2. So Chow, this is kind of like out of, compared to the Witch of the Holy Night, this is seems like complete opposite end of the spectrum. So why did you uh, decide decide to start playing River City Girls 2 recently?
2: Okay, so... Okay, has anyone here played River City Ransom where they don't really know what the hell that I, is?
0: I know what River City I know is. what it is, but I've never played it.
2: Okay, so me and my cousin uh, played the original back a long time ago, and we beat it like complete inside out. It is basically kind of like an RPG beat-them-up game, right? You basically beat the shit out of enemies, they'll puke up, and you collect their lunch money, you use it to buy food or whatever shops you see, and you use it to upgrade your characters. And, you know, the food gives you different stats, depending what you know, what place you shop at, right? And you could even buy, like, all kinds of weird equipment, and your character will start to become, like, very overpowered. So that's kind of, like, the gameplay in a nutshell. Um, so when they made River City Girls, we are like, this is, like, the closest thing we got to, like, a sequel to the West. Because uh, a lot of the games that were, you know, around, like, in the Super Nintendo era, they were never localized and released here till like, now. So there's a lot of missing games, and I guess I would see this as, like, the closest thing to a sequel. And we beat the first game together. And then now they made a second game. And so, anyway, so when they made a second game, me me and my cousin uh, went and get it. Because if you buy, like, the physical edition in Japan, apparently they bundled the first and the second game together. So it was a very good deal. Because it was, like, 45 USD and you get two games in one. You know, it's a very good deal. But anyways, we went we went through and played this entire game local co-op and we we have some gripes with, with the second game. Uh there's a lot of performance issue in this game. Oh
1: I uh, thought they they didn't iron them out still? Oh man.
2: Okay, they iron it out for every system but the Switch.
1: Oh sick.
2: <laughs> so we'd love playing... to see it. <laughs> I don't know what it plays like in single player because we refuse to play this game in single player. Our rules in a beat-them-up game is that we play them lo- locally, co-op with friendly fire on. It's the oh, best yeah. way to play beat-them-up games.
1: <laughs> when you fun. get
2: mad at your, at your, <laughs> <at> your buddy, <laughs> you just kill them. It's, it's the total right way to play
1: it. This game's uh, been out for a while though. I'm kind of surprised it hasn't been patched yet. Like I, mean, I, mean, I assume maybe it's been patched but maybe not patched enough.
2: not not matching up, like I I don't know, like we have some very awful experience playing together because a lot of reviewers I heard they they were only playing on single player, so they're probably not experiencing the shit that we see. Like sometimes the game drops down to like 15 FPS, Mm. sometimes, like, there was like input lag so bad that my button didn't respond for like five seconds.
1: You'd love to hear it from a beat em up,
2: (laughs) and I'm like, oh my god, you know, it's like, what is going on here?
1: Will you guys migrate to another system or you're just going to write it out?
2: We're just going to write it out. My cousin doesn't have any other systems by a Switch, so we had mm-hmm. to be on the Switch, you know. But, like, besides that, like, as a sequel for this game, it's more like, it, it's kind of the same old. I think people were complaining the first game was too short, so they made, like, this game had, like, a ton of side quests in order to get to your destination, like, actual RPG. You'd be, like, trying to get to, like, one destination... And they'll be like, hey, it's like this place is blocked, but I want you to go backtrack like miles away and collect six ghost pepper to burn down this this vine to to get through. It's like a lot of these like backtracking fetch quests to like draw out the game like like four times longer than it needs to be. Jesus. Like, some people like that, but uh we, we sure didn't. Uh, huh. So yeah. uh, it always plays the same, but like I think the combos are a lot more streamlined, so they're a lot easier to perform. Like if you know, because um, I, I want to. Uh, like...
1: I mean, not not really related to like River City Girls too, but like when I think when I think of like a River City Ransom, I like I want to I want to get that Three Kingdoms River City Ransom game down the line. Like that <laughs> looks fun. It's like uh... on Steam.
2: Like a lot of Kunio games are usually pretty decent, right? Or Kunio uh, uh, yeah. is... Oh, yeah, and- I, I, I forgot, is
1: Kunio River City Ransom or no?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, okay, it, okay, yeah. Kunio uh, think- is... Uh, okay, so back when they were... Okay, I think the original game, River City Ransom, was localized... Uh, or the original Japanese title was like some hot, hot, blood, downtown brawl. I think that was the original okay. Japanese title or something. Like, it was translated literally or something. It got localized. It's called River City Ransom because it, it's like the whole city got renamed to River City, and all the characters got Americanized names, like from Kunio to Alex, Ricky to <laughs> Ryan.
1: Ah, oh, the four kids. Uh, yeah, the they four all kids get, formula, so good. They all,
2: they all got different names, and yeah. What, what's your
1: four kids' name, Chow? What do you think if, if four kids were to localize you, what would be your name? Dad.
2: Chad. Chad. Dad. <laughs> I like no, that Like, I, I was like, I was making dumb jokes back when I was make, watching Gundam back in the day. If our kids got hold of Gundam Seed, Kira's name's going to be Keith. Oh, that's <laughs> going to be his name. Hell yeah! He's going to be Americanized.
0: How do you, how do you, how do you how localize Atherin, dude? How, yeah, how would you do? I like how this is actually going to be topical for the thing we'll talk about next in a small way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, like. Oh, yeah, they even, okay, so if you're into, like, Data East games, there is a lot of cameos and forthfall from Data East reference. Like, there is characters from Combat Tribes. Uh, that's a, that's a beat-them-up game from Data East. We, we oh, God, yeah, I,
1: I, I, I barely, like, recognize that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of recognize that name.
2: Me and my cousin oh. love this game because it's kinda of brutal for Super Nintendo days because every time you beat the shit out of someone, you immediately kill them. You had to smack their head in the in the floor. Mm-hmm. So that's how you play combat tribes. Uh it's pretty violent for a Super Nintendo game if you think about it. But
1: Yeah, yeah, that's not, that's definitely something that would not fly back in the day.
2: But then there is uh what is it? There's obviously a lot of double dragon reference in mm-hmm. this game. Uh one of the characters that you get to play in Virtue Ransom Girls. Two is Marion. Marion is the girlfriend from from uh what's it? The Double Dragons. The
1: oh yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, Billy and Jimmy's uh, girlfriend. She gets mm-hmm. kidnapped in the first game, and then she gets fucking straight up murdered in the second game. They, that... they did like
1: some cameo things for River City Girls too, like like some like summons, like so there's like ju- like some Guilty Gear characters, like I think like Soul and.
2: I haven't encountered Soul yet, but okay. a lot of the shopkeepers are like referenced from other game, and I didn't really okay. get all of it. Like, this game has a lot of fourth wall humor and a lot mm. of like meta jokes, right? Uh, like some, some of them might not land, it's like because it's extremely like fourth wall breaking, right? We'll be like, some one of the characters will be talking about their sad flat, like sad story, giving you like this long flashback. Thing. Oh, yeah, that sounds cool. It's like, do, no,
1: do the for spoken characters show up in this one?
2: Uh, what would that be?
1: A free and cuff. Do they show up in River City Girls 2?
2: Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of fourth wall humor, and that might not sit well for everybody, because I think what pissed off a lot of people with the first game, even though it's kind of like really well received, it's the, the meta ending. There was a very like kind of ending that pissed off a lot of people. <laughs> I'm not sure they patched that ending out or something, but the ending was like this fourth wall meta joke where the main character's girlfriend from the original like from the Super Nintendo days mm-hmm. were the like were the, were the secret bosses oh. and the character oh. that you're playing are these like girls that are just obsessed with their boyfriends. They're not their actual girlfriends. And Dang. they the shit of the OG girlfriend from the Super Nintendo game. That's basically <laughs> the, the humor. And the, and when they see the, when the guy sees the girl they're like who the hell are you guys? you know the... that's kind of like the yeah original... so if you don't
1: you, you don't have the context that that sounds cold okay yeah so yeah, that's yeah. kind of
2: like the original okay. ending from from the original and that pissed off a lot of people
1: yeah i can see that Then, if you don't have that context okay because
2: right, the context, that's... they beat up the secret boss which is the og girlfriends mm-hmm. that were never localized and you know that's kind of like the ending and there's a lot of things that I don't know. Like that ending, even kind of rubs me the wrong way. In the sequel, like, okay. is that canon? Is that not canon? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> like at this point. Yeah,
1: know? it's it's like you they they they've, they've like kind of broken a tr- your trust in them in some aspects because they did that's like oh, but what's stopping them from doing it again. I won't be fooled again.
2: And Now, like when the sequel starts, like like, well, like we started as the guys, right? We we play as Kunio and and Riki, and we go out, and they're like, you know. I'm not even sure that's their girlfriends anymore. You know, it's like they're like, you know, and like, the cutscenes like there's certain cutscenes in the game. Uh, if you're like, if it's a cinematic scene, only the girls are there. So I'm guessing the guys are not even canon. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't know. Like it's just that sounds um, wild. It's just like weird. So I don't know. That, that's our impression in a nutshell. It, it's basically same as like the first game, but it's expanded upon with a lot of fetch quests and backtracking. And
1: well we'd love to hear from Vita buffs. <laughs> and it's
2: like you might like that or you might not like that. It it's also it's oh. has a lot of performance issues.
0: I was gonna say also it doesn't run well on Switch, but then you caught that at the very end. So
2: yeah. Uh but it, it is still a decent game, just not quite perfect.
0: Well, thank you, Josh, uh, Chow, and James for talking about some of the games that you've been playing this week, even though I know only one of them, Forspoken, is really in our coverage window. but Thank you, Brian, for uh, sharing Forspoken
1: with us. You got it.
0: I kind of just want to, you know, pay my dues and kind of get through it before February hits. So we'll see if what, I'm able what, to do that. Not,
1: you pay your dues. Are you being punished for something that you're not telling us?
0: I just feel like I don't want to be in the place where it's like, yeah, Forspoken, this Luminous Productions Square Enix game came out, but I don't want to cover it. So I'm not going to. I don't know. Maybe I'm a boiled <laughs> frog in that sense.
2: Just got to bribe you.
0: Yeah. Pay it past $70. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I had a, I had a voucher. I only paid $55. <laughs> what a bargain. hmm. <laughs> And then the uh, the thing that I mentioned about uh, talking about four kids being surprisingly topical for the very next thing we're going to be talking about here. Before we go into the news section, which is pretty light this week, uh, we did have uh, one feature go up on the site for another January release that we haven't talked about in a couple weeks, because I don't think anyone here has played it or really intends to strongly. And that I'm is, ga- of course, I'm, I'm I'm sorry,
1: I'm not qualified. <laughs> that,
0: of course, is One Piece Odyssey. So released probably the very the first major RPG release of the year but a lot of us just didn't make space for it. Um luckily, Paige from one of our site contributors was able to look at One Piece Odyssey and put up her review on the site. Uh, I will not speak for her. Uh I would recommend that you go and read her review for One Piece Odyssey, but at a high level, it seems like uh it is a very it's a game that's hard to recommend for anyone that isn't a One Piece fan. And even then, if you are a One Piece fan, there are certain oddities that I guess can be kind of frustrating in like, for instance, this game cannot cleanly no one expected it to be canonical, but not only that, but it, it doesn't cleanly fit anywhere like this is where this could have happened because of what characters say or what, which characters are missing. I don't, I don't have enough One Piece background to know about that, but in Page's review, she talks about how this can't... It's like one of the old like, non-canon Bleach or DBZ movies where it can't have existed anywhere because no, nothing lines up properly. Uh, also, the fact that uh, there are certain parts where if you're a One Piece fan, there are certain scenes that she wishes were playable but are relegated to cutscenes. Um, and then if you're not familiar with One Piece, the amount of onboarding they do really isn't sufficient. So it's kind of this game that doesn't feel like it's trying to be for fans, but also for newcomers. At least that's my impression, having re- read through her review. Um, She's also just not a big fan of just the RPG p- progression in combat, mm-hmm. just like the game itself. <laughs> yeah, she does she describes it as bland. So not terrible, but just unfortunately still waiting for that like big major licensed RPG. I feel like when this game was first announced, we're like it's gonna be the fairy tale rpg only one piece this time and unfortunately it seems like it kind of fell in that same sort of bucket where it's like yeah it's a fun ip rpg but doesn't really expand past that limitation but that's, that's, a, that's just... a
1: nice thing for one piece people at least you know if you're really into one piece i'm sure you you know you, this is a nice treat for you maybe mm-hmm. you know but you know when page told me oh this will make sense if you've watched 600 to 700 episodes of the anime i'm like cool I've never mm. played this game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course, that's just one person's impression, but that's all a review is. So go ahead and get Paige's review on uh, One Piece, A Read, up on the site. And maybe in the future, one of us will play through it or we'll get Paige on the podcast or we'll talk about it You know, way down the line at the end of the year. We'll see if we have time to make space for One Piece again. Uh, but a fun little curiosity. It's kind of cool to see a big RPG with you know uh, Bandit Namco's backing behind it. Unfortunately, it just seems like it's a little bit uh, kind of not for anyone that isn't quite already a diehard fan of the IP. But we have the review yeah. up on the site if you're interested. I need, I need my Bleach Odyssey. How about that? Yeah.
2: You know, didn't I say back then that it's like, it can't be good because I have never played a good RPG adaptation from a, from a manga or anime? What is,
0: what is the best shounen anime RPG adaptation? Ooh, that's tough, dude. I don't know. Is, is it...
3: I... Mm, I don't know. It sort of <laughs> reminds me of. It's not quite the Dragon same, Ball but... Z Legacy of Goku 2. Ooh, okay. Probably. <laughs> Maybe. But it
0: sort of reminds me of, like, back in the HD, like, when HD consoles first released, like, the PS3 and the, H- and the Xbox 360, Um, any sort of, like, superhero game, like, prior to that point, was just, like, really bad. Like, superhero games just sucked. And then, like, mm-hmm. Arkham Asylum came out and was actually like, this is pretty good. Like, no one expected that game to be good. I remember the uh, lead up to it. People were just like, oh, it's just some junky Batman game from a studio in England that no one knows. Hey, man. What about Spider-Man
3: 2 on the PS2? I'll say Spider-Man PS1. <laughs> I'm
1: going to bet Spider-Man PS1 to the death. <laughs> I rented that game. Actually, I don't know if I read it or I owned it. But, man, I played the shit out of it.
0: Wow, I don't two have... I'll take, but Spider Man one on the or Spider Man on the PS One. I don't know. What what Come is this? I was gonna say, what
2: is the Superman sixty four the Bonner era? <laughs> is there such a thing? Uh,
3: there is that which game on bicycles that came out on the like at around the Switches launch is basically literally just like Superman sixty
2: four. Yeah, but is it a superhero game? No. I
0: was thinking, I was thinking like Super Neptune RPG or something like that. <laughs>
2: dang that, that,
1: that's just this is a terrible valkyrie profile verb off that like missed the point in every respect man you're just reminding me that game it tries to do the valkyrie profile battle system but you only only one character can attack at a time
0: what's the point exactly
1: <laughs> so sick
0: and with that, we'll move into the news section of this podcast, which is pretty light. So this will be pretty quick. Uh, the major news of this week is an announcement of a re-release of a cult classic tactical RPG. I hope I pronounced this right. Yggdra Union. Did it. Now, I might need to borrow some expertise from Josh or Adam here. When I see Yggdra Union, and I'll go into the details of this re-release in a second. I recognize the title, but I don't have a latch on like what this game is. Like did he, Did anyone uh, play the initial release of this game?
2: I think I only played a little bit of the Game Boy Advance f-
0: version. Yeah, I mean, like which which initial
1: release? You have a Game Boy Advance version, the yeah, PSP PS- version. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yes to all of the above. Um, the Yggdrasil the Union came out of, like around 2006 ish. I want to say. Okay. So that was like the original GBA uh, version. Um, it was, uh, I think it was published in the West by Atlas.
3: Yeah. Um, it at was. the time.
1: Yep. Yeah. So this is a really cool like tactical RPG that like, uh, um, it, it very much like, um, inter- when you think of like the presentation style, you might think of like Advanced Wars when terms like uh, when times with screening like through attacks to other opponents. It's just like it's it's just like a very very solid like you know, uh, fun time like uh you know, like I don't think there's like anything that it does like anything super like novel now, um, when I think about like its gameplay systems, but like it was just like. It was a great game on, uh, on Game Boy Advance. It was a great game on uh, PlayStation Portable.
0: Um, and, then, and then here's the lead that I buried. Yggdrasil Union, that. We'll Never Fight Alone, is coming to PC on February 6th. And here's the strange part. Via Steam Early Access, even though it's a game what? that is like 17 years old or something like that. And that's yeah. because... Even weirder.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, Go <laughs> oh, Sorry. Uh, It's even weirder because they're outright saying, yeah, the port itself is basically going to be finished. We're just spending the early access period to do like finishing touches on it, get some feedback for whatever features and like bug reports that are coming in, which essentially means that when this PC port drops, it's going to be about as probably as bare bones as some like Japanese PC port, like indie game PC ports have been in the past, but they're like committing to bringing it up
0: to snuff that doesn't sound so bad conceptually
3: yeah
1: so yigdra union does part of like a like a, a series of games like that people called uh or referred to as the department heaven games and there's like uh these are headed by Shinichi ito uh over there and this is like kind of like the second one of those department heaven games um and like I, I guess, like, in terms of gameplay, like, when I think about, like, th- there are other games that have come out, like, that have tried this, but, like, back then it was actually kind of novel for the time where um you do have, like, some control over units, but, like, it's not like a, a Fire Emblem or Final Fantasy Tactics or any sort of, like, where you're, like, particularly, like, controlling every single unit. They kind of, you kind of... You kind of watch these battles play out depending on like the strategy formations that you uh put on them, and then you can like activate like cards during like the the battle, to, like kind of shift strategies and so forth. And like the the strategy formations that you make are like called like unions, uh, in the game. So like in that dis- respect, in that respect, the strategy RPG aspect, it's like it's like an indirect form of strategy RPG, uh, uh in this game where like your pla- your pre planning and planning is like m- sort of more important than like the the every like meticulous move that you do uh in it so yeah sting like the the interesting thing about the sting uh release on steam which is really really exciting and i'm very uh happy about the news is like um this is all being done by sting themselves the like even the publishing of it so it makes me think that like are we gonna are we gonna see like a new english translation uh, of this game um do this, because i can't
3: i can't imagine they can though like you know atlas will allow them to use their their script of it you know well actually here's the funny thing about that i don't know about like exactly how the uh, licensing for the like actual localized text worked with uh, ygdra union back when it like first released but a lot of times the uh, the rights to the translation actually belongs to the uh, original company for the game and not the localization house. Mm, yeah, so, so, that's, yeah. so that's why you'll actually sometimes uh, see some games that are released by a different company using a script from a previous uh, localization. Like when Dot Emu released uh, East 1 and 2 on mobile, it was using the XSeed script.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so I'm,
3: I'm I'm really interested to see like what like if if people like you know will do the the compare contrast and see like if they're using just the same script or like the uh, reload. I mean, their... I mean, we even have an example like recently with uh, the Utsuado PC ports. Uh, those are based off of the uh, Atlas and NIS America scripts, respectively. I didn't. I actually didn't know they were based on. I thought they had to like redo them, like parts. Of I that. think they tweaked them a bit, but they okay. they did an extra editing pass or two on them. So, but yeah, the basis of the basis of those uh, localized scripts on the PC versions are the Atlas and Nisa. Scripts. But I
0: know for Eiger Union, this is a game I've had my eye on for a long time. I own the GBA version. I own the PSP version. I just never played them, and. I remember thinking when the game got announced for Switch, like, two or three years ago, I, I remember even, I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the podcast, we're like, well, who's going to localize it, like, or who's going to publish it in the West, because yeah. is it going to be Atlas? but probably not, because that was before, the, the original release was before Atlas was part of Sega, and now in the other part of Sega, they don't really publish anything that's not atlas or sega anymore like vanilla like, is like that's it pretty much yeah but even vanillaware is already kind of like buddy buddy with atlas yeah but um we were. i was kind of wondering like well somebody's got to bring it over and then sting is just like no we'll just do it ourselves yeah know, that's version. awesome that's fucking um awesome. obviously that means there's like not going to be any you know like they don't have to worry about a physical release they don't have to have a presence over here or anything like that Like as long as they can just put it on steam then might as well have it available worldwide, right? A very the, good Deck game, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and they yeah. have other games in that Department Heaven series that could also maybe. Um, I know there's like Gungnir, but that's also the Sony's involved in that, so that might be a little bit weirder. But yeah, Knights
1: of the Nightmare and yeah, of the Nightmare. Yeah, that I I I really want Sting to go. All I hope this is very successful, and I want them. I want to give Sting the confidence to just fucking do this with all their games, you know? <laughs> just just do it. And, the, and there's, like, multiple spinoffs of, like, Injury Union as well. There's, like, Blade Gloria Union, Union. Gloria Union, yeah. Which would never localize. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I, this is, just like, such out-of-nowhere news that, like, I'm really happy about, it, you know? That's awesome. Like, uh, Injury Union is such a good game. I'm I'm ready to play it, like, what, for the fifth or sixth time? <laughs>
0: That's it's coming awesome. out in like a little over a week. So, yeah, you
1: know, nothing else comes out in February. Well,
0: coming out in early access. I mean, yeah, in February, I mean, nothing else is yeah. releasing. And we actually have a February release date announcement coming. Up I'll, too. I'll, t-
1: I'll take this early access because it's actually content complete, which yeah. is unfair to other early access games. I get it, but, you know, it's content complete. And I and guess I get- uh,
0: one thing I didn't state is that this PC port will, even on release, have a, re- a rewind function, autosave uh hints, the battle speed toggles, and a few other tweaks. So yep. it's got some work oh. put into it. It's uh I'm excited, man.
1: That's
2: awesome.
0: One of the many February releases that's only uh about a month away from or three weeks away really, and that is Like a Dragon Ashin. Ashin. Which way is Whatever. it? Alright, Ashin. So uh, the first uh, officially English release of uh what was previously Yakuza Ashin As we've gone through the marketing cycle of this game, we've gotten trailers for the combat, for the different uh, combat styles, things like that. The most recent gameplay trailer that we got is for the trooper card system, which are basically uh, buffs that you assign to the combat styles to increase their power or gain extra experience. Uh, Was the trooper card system in the original release of this game? yes but it was it was confined uh solely to
1: like a battle dungeon like mini game like, like like like
0: a it was like it was like segment
1: like segmented off from like the main story so like they're kind of like you uni- know like putting this system into like a more universal uh fashion in the re in this re release but it, it like this concept that these trooper cards were like in the original
0: All right, so they kind of just expanded their scope here a bit. Yeah. And then, tied to the announcement of the or the detailing of the trooper card gameplay mechanic, Sega and RGG Studio have announced two like special guest cameo troopers. And this seems very incongruent to me. I don't know exactly the reasoning behind it, but I'm just going to read the headline. So, wrestler Kenny Omega and actor Rahul Kohli, who is best known for a CW show, iZombie. These two, these two people will have special trooper cards in like a dragon ashin
1: I- That's awesome. Like K- K- Kenny Obi is awesome, so I mean, yeah, sure. Like he, like he's a big, big fan. Deserves it. I, uh, I don't know too, too much about the other dude, but I'm sure he's awesome too. But like, there's there's such a cool collaboration. But it's not the first time that like you know the, like Yaku- the Yakuza series has done like these offshoot collaborations, like for the. Some of like the like the the clan um, mini games for like I think Yakuza Six. I want to say they had like Neo Japan mm-hmm. uh, collabs. So it's not like it's not like unheard of, right? Like they did collaborations with other like Japanese agencies, especially like wrestling agencies uh, in, in past entries. So you know, just seeing more like cameo stuff like this is like not totally unheard of. Like it's it's cool that they get represented and like and um probably have like really fun superpowers. Sega uh, also
0: mentioned that this is these are two of six. So there's four more. That four
1: more. Big cameos. So who, so who are we who thinking? Gonna yeah, who's it going to be? Who, who's next? Who do you want to see in?
0: Who was it that we saw, like, the first leak of Yakuza
1: 8? Uh, uh, oh, oh, that, the... Oh, man, who was it? He, it's like
0: a Japanese wrestler, right? A Japanese
1: ref, wrestler, yeah. And, uh, sort of like an influencer as well. Dang that pretty good um what are we thinking i i, I can't oh, think of any mma fighter uh, mma fighter there uh, we go
0: oh asakura there we go That sounds like familiar. not so well known in the west but you know just like he's clearly a celebrity in japan in mma mma people probably know him like the, ma- a
1: member of bts oh. so <laughs> there, there you go what else? So, all, all right, Chow. If you if you were to have one voice actor or voice actress be a trooper card, who who do you want it to be?
2: Mm, we're gonna have Eye Pharaohs again.
1: Okay. All right. Does she and voice then,
0: anyone in Yakuza or like a dragon? Uh I don't know. <laughs> I was curious. But I
2: don't know. Most recent anime she voices and JoJo protagonists, the latest JoJo Jo. I so.
1: You know what? I think they should have gacked oh no i don't want, i don't want to hear it again <laughs> let's go that's what that's what i'm betting on that's
0: my my pick. gacked and then the uh the next piece of news that we've got is a departure from bioware which unfortunately i feel like is a bit of a broken record it's so let me just read the headline first so mac walters who was a writer on mass effect two and three has revealed in a LinkedIn post that he has left the company and he hasn't uh, he left in late 2022. Uh obviously BioWare is working on both a new Mass Effect title and the recently titled Dragon Age Dreadwolf. Neither game that we've really seen much of besides, besides concept art or logos. So whenever I read a headline like this, I'm trying to like keep in perspective and not be like the sky is falling because People leave companies, they change jobs, they take breaks all the time. It's just that in the context of BioWare, I was working on their two biggest franchises, but we haven't seen much of either. And now we don't like this is coming off the heels of Casey Hudson not being with the company and Mike Dara not being with the company. Like basically, the team behind the new Mass Effect and the new Dragon Age is not the same team that was responsible for them, which is always kind of a weird place to be. Uh, when you know that the talent has rotated through, and obviously Metroid Prime is, is in the kind of the same state in the Retro Studios, obviously not in the RPG space. So, don't know if there's really a lot more meat to pick on this bone here, other than still no news on uh, from uh, from an official standpoint about the new Dragon Age Dreadwolf or the new Mass Effect title. They they do plan
1: to show it, like you know, soon, right? <laughs> uh,
0: May seventh is that what it is? Is it that soon? I suppose. Like, I guess. I don't know. We need to see. There needs to be some game that
1: we need to see before these. Oh, wait, November seventh. So never mind. Yeah, yeah, uh, and seven. Okay. And yeah. the la-
0: The last time we talked about this is when they stated in a well about Bioware in general was when they stated in a blog post last October that Dragon Age: Dreadwolf was playable start to finish, but didn't share concept art, screenshot, a video clip, or nothing. Which I, I'm trying to be like reasonable, be like, all right, you know, games in progress aren't always pretty. Sometimes vertical slices are very difficult to make, but it was just the both of these games have just been their marketing and their announcements have just been paced very strangely, or very at least unorthodox relative to their contemporaries. There's just not a lot that's actually tangible. There's yeah, like concept art, and there's like for Dreadwolf, I still think it's just like a little bit of like art with like narration. But uh, what's that? What's that character's name? I forget uh the narrator guy anyways like it's all we have varic yeah okay but yeah so uh we don't have a writer uh on from mass effect 2 and 3 on either the new mass effect or dragon age anymore though i'm sure he might still be credited if his work contributed to those projects but we have no idea when we'll see those so just reporting on the departure here Here's the other February release that I was talking about because we don't have enough of those. Um this is a game that was originally announced in mid December, but I don't think we ever mentioned it on a podcast due to the timing of our Game of the Year podcast. So, uh Binary Haze is publishing a new tactical RPG with talent behind the original uh by the Tellius Fire Emblem games on it. This game is called Redemption Reapers. So, I was looking at the um podcast document that we have here about this headline Redemption Reapers is coming out February 22nd so right around the same time as Octopath Traveler 2 and Like a Dragon a Shin and then Adam immediately uh, blurted out that you are pretty excited for this game so what are you seeing in Redemption Reapers that makes you look at a crowded February and say you know what this new IP I'm excited for it yeah so so first of all developer, the publisher developer combo here is the one behind Ender Lilies which i really liked a lot so obviously this looks to be like a completely different type of game almost like entirely different like ender lilies is kind of like a 2d side scroller this is you know 3d uh strategy rpg uh different art style you know different type of game entirely so that's interesting but yeah it's got some pretty good pedigree behind it the uh, the lead design excuse me the lead designer of the game is uh Masayuki Horikawa who is the uh, he's worked a lot on Fire Emblem games. He did like Scenario on Thracia 776. He was the director of Path of Radiance. He did Scenario on uh, either Binding Sword or Blazing Sword. I forget which one. Uh, He was he was involved uh, with uh, Fates and Awakening and Shadow Dragon all in different ways Um, and so he I don't think he no longer works with actual Fire Emblem, but he's got a lot of Fire Emblem experience. So this game, if you look at it and you see like this kind of looks like an off-brand Fire Emblem, it's like, well, it's more than just that, it's literally got like Fire Emblem DNA and how it's being designed. Um, And it looks interesting. Uh, The scenario writer, let me look it up here, it's uh, someone behind uh, the Metal Gear Solid series. Yeah, it's uh, Tomokazu Fukushima. Yep, and then also music by Ray Kondo, who's done some Fire Emblem music, I believe Awakening as well as uh, Bayonetta. So I uh, got some key, you know, creatives behind it. And I liked what they, you know, what the development studio did with Lilies, So she's like, you know what? I'm interested in this. It looks like classic. It looks like almost like a Fire Emblem game, just with not an anime art style, but more like a, I wouldn't say grimdark, but kind of lightly grimdark uh, art style to it. More realistic uh, in a sense. Um, but- I
1: don't know, Adam. They don't look like VTubers. So I don't know if I can get invested. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, I'm interested. I'm I'm curious to, to check this out. Uh, it releases late February for uh, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and PC. So. Yeah, it, it looks really cool.
1: I mean, I'm I'm definitely open to giving it a shot once I get a free, a free time to, like,
0: give it a shot. What is free time? <laughs> yeah, good thing this is releasing in a month that nothing else is releasing. Yeah, yet. thank God. Whew. It's one of those things where there's enough Fire Emblem likes... Where that alone isn't enough to be like, ooh, don't have enough of those. But when you mentioned that pedigree behind it, it's all right, maybe pay attention to this one. That's kind of what might set this apart from something like Lost Idols, which released last year that I haven't still haven't made time for. It's kind of an interesting thing, right? Because like this is
1: like the type of project that you think would like get like a, 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 some sort of like crowdfunding campaign first.
0: <laughs> mm, that's, that's what that's what it kind of feels like, even though obviously it clearly didn't. Yeah. So interesting. Kind of funny looking at some of the like this Masayuki Horikawa's credits. Now, this is where Moby I'm using Moby games, which is a great resource for this. And sometimes they get the kanji mixed up, but apparently he also worked on Kingdom Hearts 3 as a level designer. That's interesting. Huh. It might be like a similar, it, it might be an error, and it might be like a person with a similar name, but um, yeah, I'm just looking at his credits. Like he's worked on uh, yeah, uh, 36776, Binding Blade, Shadow Dragon, Awakening, Fates, um. Shadow Dragon, so yeah.
1: What what platforms is this coming to again?
0: Uh, PlayStation Four, Nintendo Switch, and PC. It's also only going to be fifty dollars. So, you know, I mean, only fifty. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but it's it I remember when all PC games were fifty bucks <laughs> or less. Not quite full price. <laughs> So, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Uh, that's to cheaper than what
1: uh, uh, Brian paid for for it on discount.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, I'm trying to remember, like, Ender Lilies was, um... Let me look. Like, that was never $50. No, no. that was. So, this is, like, higher price than that. Let me see. What price is Ender Lilies now? I'm sure it might be discounted. Like, Ender Lilies is, uh, is $25 standard right now. But, yeah, I'll be curious to see, like, what sort of budget is behind the game... Uh, looking at the trailers, uh, the gameplay looks really good. Some, like, the facial animation doesn't look perfect. But then again, it's like, it's not a AAA game. So, but, we'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see. This next piece of news is actually something that we uh, should have been expecting because this is something that was kind of announced ahead of time back in November. In November, we learned that in January of 2023, we would learn more about Fuga Melodies of Steel 2. And we would learn about its release date. Well, here that information is. So we got a new trailer for the upcoming Fuga Melodies of Steel 2. It will release on May 11th for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4, Nintendo and PC. So basically everything. Anything modern. And Game Pass. Oh, and on Game Pass. Uh, And we got got some new trailers for it. Uh, I know Adam's comment on the trailer is that the English voice acting is kind of stiff for the trailer, but if I recall correctly, the game itself is only in Japanese or French. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. The English voice acting, it almost sounds like an AI or something. I'm pretty sure it's not, but maybe I'm assuming it's just some French Dude, That'd be awesome if it was. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it's some French developer reading an English script and just not trying, you know, they just don't have a natural English accent. It doesn't really sound like a French accent either though. But um, yeah, the game itself is only in Japanese and French. You should definitely play these games in French. That's just my opinion. It just kind of fits.
3: But um, the only funny thing about that is that the French voices are are very obviously the Japanese voice cast, just uh, speaking in broken French.
0: <laughs> but um, uh, this game, it adds a few new uh, components. Like uh, there's a like a morality system in the game almost, which is like, how is that going to work? As well as like new ways to move along like the battle paths. You can um, use the
1: soul cannon without killing someone.
0: Oh yeah, it's yeah. You can now do it's like, like uses their life energy, but not their their life itself.
1: Yeah. So, so I'm thinking, like, can you like use it like three times now if you use boron on it? Like, he has a lot of life energy.
0: Poor boron, he's always stuck the <laughs> cannon fodder. <laughs> hey, apparently, according to a Jap, or to a uh, like a survey, Japanese people or no was it, I don't think it was some, a some, some some region kept. Using May as their like tutorial. I, yeah, I, th- I think it was Japan. Was
1: May? More robot, but May is like US. I think was you it know, that?
0: Like, I don't was, know. Was like, why May? She's the most innocent one. That's <laughs> awesome.
1: She's the youngest. She's the Throw most. Throw May in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm terrible. But yeah, this uh, you know it, the the this is a direct sequel from the first game. Picks up right where the events left off. This is like based on the, the the true ending of the of the first game so no spoilers so a lot of people are alive at the true ending um and yeah i mean it looks like more fuga but looks but fuga was a damn good game so i mean providing that formula uh you know i'm all for it
0: and the last piece of news uh, adam kind of covers this on a yearly basis and i don't think anyone here is on this game enough to really speak to it in depth But Bethesda has announced that a new update for the Elder Scrolls Online will release in June. That is the Elder Scrolls Online Necrom. And I know that they make these updates pretty much yearly. So I'm not sure if expansion is the right term or if they're more just kind of like packaged DLCs. Uh, In that case, like the line's blurring anyways. But it looks like it's basically two chapters that take place in the Morrowind region. Uh, If you're playing Elder Scrolls Online already, you probably can know more of what's in this update than we do. But from a high level it just looks good that this game is still chugging along and getting frequent updates and is getting a lot of support from from bethesda and we'll have another update this summer to for players of that game to dive into i don't know when putting the news post together adam if you saw anything that was worth highlighting here it's morrowind again mm-hmm. didn't they put morrowind in there was already a Morrowind expansion, yeah. and now this is like another Morrowind. It's oh. like the, it's like the seedy parts of Morrowind. I don't know. I know mm-hmm. nothing about Elder Scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with that uh, note out of the way, that kind of covers us for news this week. So acquired a week on news, but we got a lot of detailed discussion out of uh, all the releases, both expected and surprised, out of January. And as we have probably stated one too many times, uh, February is going to be uh, pretty busy. The first week of February, I think, is a little bit of a breather. So next week we might have a chance to, you know, at least play through more Fire Emblem or more Forspoken or hey, even go back to One Piece Odyssey for those of those of us that have skipped it those uh thus far. There's a but, there's a
1: Nice thirtieth
0: anniversary live happening. Oh, there is. Yes, there
2: too, would uh, it be? I was gonna say are we are we
0: are, are, are we expecting anything that's like Kuro, Qualcomm related? Or, oh, because that's—they uh, specifically say it's for new NIS announcements. Yeah. So I'm assuming not Kuro, unless we're now considering Trails games <laughs> as NIS games. Yeah, um, but um, I, I, I think the—I
1: think the thing that we're all expecting really is the Sky is Seven localization announcement. I think that's the surefire bet. Mm. Um, any anything Ever... else? I don't fucking know.
0: I forgot that that game hadn't we've we've gotten plenty of uh, trailers for that game on the Japanese side. I know sites like Amatsu have been covering all those character trailers as they release, but still no, nothing official on the English front. So I think that's a good uh, a safe bet. And looking ahead at the release calendar for February, it looks like the next two major games in our purview are Lavender Galleria, which obviously we announced that uh, we talked about that game. And James put up some footage on that just a couple of weeks ago. And then, of course, Wild Hearts, the monster hunting game uh, from EA is releasing in the middle of the month.
3: Site for that one.
0: Mm-hmm. So we will be back next week with another edition of the TetraCast. The itinerary is not quite clear, but it'll round into form as we go out, uh go throughout the week. Uh, you can read up on the One Piece Odyssey review up on the site RPGSite.net, and of course, all the other news uh, that we've been covering throughout the week is also up on the website. We also have been putting up a handful of guides for both Fire Emblem Engage, as well as the uh, the Persona three and four re releases. Are still getting some updated pages up on the site as well. You can follow RPG Site on most of the social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can join our Discord at discordgg site or by hitting the link at the top of the homepage. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the TetraCast. Uh, if you enjoyed listening to this, uh, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. We love seeing those if we uh, get a chance to read them. But until you hear from us next time, stay safe and take care. We'll talk to you then.
1: We'll never fight alone.